RJ, and it's the week before the week before of the NCAA tournament, also known as the week with some conference tournament games. I'm RJ Bell, Steve Fezzik in studio. We got picks from Mr. Dave Essler, the hitman, and we have a bonus. And now's the time to get ready for that. We're going to put out either Thursday or no, I guess it'll be Friday, Friday morning, maybe Friday afternoon. That's the point. We don't know exactly. Subscribe. If you're not subscribed, we're going to have a bonus pod this week, me and A.J. Hoffman. A.J. is one of the guys that knows college basketball like the back of his hand. And he's a gambler. And he's won at pregame.com for years now. And he's a radio guy, so he's good on air. And it should be a uh, great pod. And we're going to have him in Vegas for the NCAA tournament extravaganza. Mr. Dave Essler's scheduled to be in Vegas. You know when Essler's there, Mr. Matty Holt should be there. I'm telling you, that week of the first uh, tournament rounds should be strong. How you doing, Fez? I am really looking forward to this tournament. I feel like we all got cheated out of the tourney last year. And I got to tell you, I think the demand is going to be outstanding for the betting for this tournament. The demand, what does that mean? I think people are... They love the tournament. They love that first weekend and the fact— So you're saying people who bet are going to bet more. Yes, and the people that bet marginally, they're going to bet a lot more because I think it's the pent-up demand from having nothing last year. And when that happens, you think, oh, I can exploit that. Yes, because more public money into the pool means more recreational money being bet on the wrong sides, potentially. Now, do you worry about— Thinking those poor people work hard for their money. Maybe I should try to discourage that. No, they they didn't lose anything in last year's tournament. So, so they're already way ahead of the game. <laughs> they, they were fortunate enough <laughs> not to lose last year. So anything they lose this year is fine. Yes. Hello, is everybody watching? Before I get the party started, you know you want to be invited. Step right up and get a little. That's your invite for all the squares out there, fans. Go, go, go. All right, we got a pretty strong show here. We're going to talk about the Utah Jazz. They just lost tonight in overtime against the Sixers by eight, but it did go OT. Jazz have lost a few games. Does it cause a reevaluation? Also, load management and all the realities of the NBA this season after the short break after last year's Lakers title. Is there a way to apply the handicapping on that? Fez caught a division that he thinks has a big scheduling disadvantage in the NFL. And if you're betting future bets, division odds, Super Bowl odds, even MVP odds, it's applicable. Zach Wilson, Chris Sims said something, well, I'll tell you what he said. He said Zach Wilson is the better quarterback to Trevor Lawrence, and it's not even close. Thank God someone's saying it. I don't know about Zach Wilson. I just know this Trevor Lawrence love is ridiculous. I'm going to start to debunk it. And we got some original work when it comes to how Trevor does against good teams. Not so good, even though he's got blonde hair that flows. <laughs> One of our picks, the Washington division odds steaming ahead. Fez still hasn't gotten me down. I think he's waiting for a 6-1. to one. College basketball. Fez has a theory that the 
best teams, the most successful teams, are going to play harder in the conference tournaments than typical. I tend to agree with him here. And he's got some generic, maybe retreaded. I'll, I'll keep him tight on this. Uh, if a team has a, if a team's playing their second game and the first team's playing, the, the better team's playing their first game, what do you do in that case? Bet on the rested team. Uh, <laughs> say hello to 1996. And McKenzie, time traveled. Now you think you're gonna think that is weird. You're gonna think it is. You're gonna hear that and say, "Damn, he's like Looper." Who's Looper? <laughs> All right, let's get straight to it. Now I'll probably add a few things. And like we said, we got Astler and the Hitman with Best Bats. I might give one of these early, like kind of like the Academy Awards with the um, Best Supporting Actors. But then that became sexist, so they they switched. I think Is that the right? best. Yeah, best supporting actor. Hmm. All right, let's start in the NFL. Fez, you have the NFC North as having an extra tough schedule. Why? Because in the schedule, as we know, there are four games that you have to play against a specific division within your conference, and then you have to play one. To be clear, so let's talk about the NFC North. And what you're saying is every year you've got a partner division in conference. I like that word. And and you play all four of them. So the fact that if your slot, one, two, three, or four matches up, you play that in your conference anyway. So there's three additional games. So let's use Green Bay, for example. They were number one in the NFC North. They are playing whom, what division? So they play the NFC West. Okay, so they would have played the number one there regardless. Right. Now, the other three games are because of the partner divisions, and they are three tough teams. Yeah, so you got to play the Rams, Seattle, Arizona, and uh, uh, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So you've got four teams you're playing. None of those teams are below average. Arizona's by far the toughest division. Yeah, by far. I mean, it's very possible if they didn't have to play each other so much, if it was just pure power ratings, 10,000 games, some kind of round robin. I mean, the worst team there could be, I think Arizona's the worst team, even with J.J. Watt. So my thought is it's possible Arizona ends up being the 12th or 13th best team in the NFL. Yes. And it could be all four are in the top 13. Yes. So you do not want to play the NFC West. And unfortunately, the NFC North, that's their partner division. All right. So that means there's three games that generally are going to be tougher for each, whatever the slots are. Now, you play a partner out of conference division and that is the AFC North and the theory is Steelers were not sure but this is a team that started 11 and 0 Baltimore as you say best team ever how would you characterize your your love of Baltimore I've never seen a team so good in point differential led the league the last two years in each year in point differential no that that's a fact I'm saying how did you I mean luckily we've got some tape Kansas City, they are so far. It's almost like they're playing a different sport. I can't believe I've done my power ratings for over 10 years. I mean, I skipped some weeks, but still, it was crazy. Pretty much. No, well, yeah, it's tape. Yeah. Tape doesn't lie. So my question is, that's where your head's at now. Or is it not? I'm because you loved them against the Bills. Like, no way should they be getting two points in Buffalo, you thought, right? Yeah. So I, I still am confident that Baltimore, you know, it, it's a tough t- 
team to have to play. Are they a top five team or are they a top 10 team? We can have a discussion. You're discussing. Are they the, I mean, we knew <laughs> Buffalo was a top three team, yeah. right? What was that handicap exactly? You loved Baltimore. I felt that the. Was there something about weather or travel? No, it was the COVID. I felt that oh. the, I felt that the COVID disruption. And remember when they had to yeah, play I, Wednesday, oh, then oh, Tuesday, then I, Monday, I, I then do. Sunday. I and, do. But see, that would make it where they'd be underrated because they had a, a hardship that wasn't being accounted for. Except they were considered to be an equal team to Buffalo with that line. So how were they underrated? And they weren't because they it was a classic you see this is a classic example of of directionally anticipating a play and not paying enough attention to just what the hell is the damn number yeah. right is that well, well said i think it is i think it's your problem so i would work on it because th that's the thing the way that people handicap today with all the knowledge at their fingertips your way or some of your default ways were more effective in the past because you didn't have access. Oh, what's your power rating or, or strength? Of it all wasn't at your fingertips. Like a big syndicate would have that, but even good handicap. And then there'd be the types, you know, like Andy Isco. And again, not that he's so much from a prior era, but he had all the data, like the kind of guys that would have every gold sheet from the last 50 years and fouls and all that. They were the types that, what was that guy? A mall M a H out here. What was his name? The guy that was, uh, Wrote the books, the math guy. Um, Huey Mall. Okay, you got him pulled up there. And what does it say on that sheet or yeah. on that webpage? So he was a mathematician, and he was a guy that employed usage of computers long before anybody else did. Yeah, and he's got, like, if you go to the Gamblers Book Club, they still got old, you know, like him figuring all the different calculations on Kino or something and you know, back then, that was the kind of stuff you bought in print form. And uh, he was just a, a renowned kind of a, a guy who had at his fingertips a lot of the stuff that we take for granted now. But he did it through a lot of hard work and, and independent scholarship. Exactly. So a pioneer, if you will, on the computer work with sports betting. Yeah. So I think before there was a lot of hmm, this sounds right. My gut says this, but now it's like, huh, let's check your gut, and then sometimes it's right, sometimes it's not. What's fascinating is, and I just had this, I don't know, epiphany, but it really got pounded home recently. I was reading, ah, I don't even remember the topic, but it was about the assumptions that these guys, I think it was a business-driven thing, the assumptions they had about what would affect like we thought, if this, if it rained, there would be less of this. And if it didn't rain, there'd be more of that. And what they ended up figuring out was they their, their intuition or their assumptions were like almost random. Like all the stuff that like prior generations literally built their approach on, once they were able to test it, was pretty much random. They If it, it was 50-50, let's say, and they got it right half the time. Mm. And... You just got to wonder how, think about the places in your life in which you have assumptions that are potentially confirmed by data, right? If your girlfriend loves you really or not, isn't a data-driven thing. So I know we all got those questions about love and whatever, talent and success. But I'm talking about things like, hey, 
wind blowing out at Wrigley does this or whatever does that. What does altitude do if it's cold? That kind of thing. Mathematically, when you do end up having a chance to confirm it or not, I think people were wrong a bunch. Wouldn't you agree, Faz? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the examples is that, like, cold weather in December, everyone's like, oh, if I'd only bet, you know, those cold games, I'd have made money. No, you wouldn't you mean have. under? Yeah, under, because the market was on top of it. And the market over-adjusted, if anything, those totals in the NFL for the cold weather. Which brings up another point. In life, generally, you need to be right. In sports betting, you need to be right and with the minority position. Because if ever, if someone says Tom Brady's better than an average quarterback in his prime, let's say, but even now, obviously, that everyone knows. You're right. But so what you're saying is, hey, the cold might have affected, at least empirically, you're saying it did affect the scoring. But now the question is, does it affect it more or less than, yes. than the perception? And it's the same thing with like a 10 a.m. start for a Pacific Coast team, right? It's like it does affect things. But is it built into the line to the, you know, where the effect is a disadvantage for the West Coast team? Yeah, it's built in. Same thing with the zigzag. Everyone, zigzag doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work because the market accounts for it. It's not that it's less of a factor. Yeah, and so pretty much you see a zigzag, the line moves one and a quarter points, and that's what the data says. On average. On average. That's what the data says it should move, all things being equal, um, based upon whoever wins game one to fall and not, not play as well game two. Okay, so we're back to the NFC North. Continue with your analysis. And again, that was a takeoff of your love of Baltimore. Okay, so I have no love for any of the NFC North teams now, all four of them directionally. Now, let's be clear. This is analogous to if you knew that the team had to wear one, maybe not one pound, a fifth of a pound weights on their ankles this season, that it was mandated the smallest amount of weight that is noticeable, let's say, whatever that would be. Mm-hmm. Now, would you bet against them every game? No. But you're going to know there's an intrinsic bias, again, or in this case, an intrinsic disadvantage against them, the bias. And you're saying keep that in mind, especially when it's season long. Bets, division bets, MVP. And I think that applies to Aaron Rodgers specifically. It's a great point. Even player bets. So now we start talking about Aaron Rodgers' touchdown passes. Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, even where he's going to rank as a quarterback. Specifically, as I was talking about, MVP. Yeah. Because that's what you can bet now. Right. Um, Now, you were thinking, and you think about it with Green Bay, if you look at Green Bay and then you look at Detroit, the bottom of the division – you're thinking there's a disadvantage of Detroit even beyond the two-partner division. Right, because at least Detroit gets to play two last-place teams, right? Which so they, that should be yeah. a big edge. Well, well, it's not a big edge. Every fourth-place team has that, right? Right, right. But at least they should get two two teams as bad as they are to be able to play. And So the question is, is the, and a lot of you guys know this, but just to be clear, is now the other part of who a team plays, they play their six, uh Twice each, the three opponents in division. That gets to six games. Now you got the two partner divisions, which is four and four, right? So that's going to be eight plus six is 14. Now what do you got? You got two more games left, right? Those two games are going to be against the two other divisions slotted the same as you. So Detroit was slotted fourth. In conference, the divisions other than the NFC West are, and the teams that were slotted fourth are. So 
Philadelphia Eagles. And you're saying they're better than a typical last place team? Yes, and Atlanta Falcons. I think that's right. So you're saying whatever disadvantage the NFC North has, you think Detroit has even more? Yes. All right, so how do you get at this? We've kind of talked uh, about a few things, and maybe this is something you can get at a little bit now and more later, but how do you get at it? I think you get at it more later, season win number for the Lions specifically going under, probably be five, I would think, and I could only look under given these scheduling dynamics for Detroit. And in general, in the rest of the division, just you're, you're just going to think, I don't know, is this worth – an eighth of a win? I mean, wh- how much is this a factor for an individual team worth? Gosh, I think more of a half a win. Oh, that seems like a lot. That's a look at that AFC, NFC West, though. And you Baltimore. Know? And Baltimore. Ooh. All right. I think this was interesting. But I love your point about thinking about the players also, the individual, because you can bet on these guys, you know, year year round. Like, like and you made a few of these bets, you know, before the season started, how many touchdown passes guys will throw, et cetera. And if you're playing tougher opponents, you're probably not going to throw as many touchdown passes. That's a good point. And I also think, I think one of the big mistakes that people make and one I'm going to try to do better at is the idea that we think a strength of schedule is how good the team is. But really, we should be thinking about how good the offense is and how good the defenses are. And if you actually think about it and think about how tough the NFC West and the AFC North is, they're much better on D. Pittsburgh, yeah. Baltimore. Now, obviously, Cincy and uh, Cleveland's you know, more offense and defense. But then you think Rams, San Francisco even. You know, Seattle, not so much. But in general there's more defensive strength than there is offensive strength in these eight teams that they play that are partner divisions. Thus, looking to go and fade the offensive players in this division, I think, is an early look. Because once the schedule comes out, everyone looks and says, oh, that looks like a tough schedule. But right now, we know the schedule. We just don't know the exact days the games are played, which that's another factor. How many buys do you have? Or does the opponents have? How many Thursday games you play? Is it on the road? All that stuff is another level to this. But from today's perspective, we do know who they're going to play. Yeah, I, I love this because almost like independently, you take a look at these at the NFC Central. Maybe you don't like Adam Thielen and you want to play him under. The NFC Central? NFC North. Mm. The old. <laughs> yeah, I understand. And so now all of a sudden, wow, if I liked Adam Thielen under already, think about how good this is, like you mentioned, with the defenses that he's going to have to face. The MVP odds right now for next season. Patrick Mahomes, the favorite, five to one. Oh, he's great. He can throw sideways. Number two, Aaron Rodgers. Three, Josh Allen, 13 to one. Rodgers is seven to one. Mahomes, five to one. Russell Wilson's never gotten an MVP vote, 15 to one. Lamar Jackson, who doesn't play for Buffalo, he's 15 to one. But Mackenzie, th- did you think Lamar got traded? Nope. Yeah. Honestly. That's tough. And Tom Brady, 16 to 1. Hmm. I think Josh Allen's a good bet at 13 to 1. I I agree. That seems nice and juicy. Because it's it feels narrative, right? Now, last thing about this, because there's another reason to not bet on Aaron Rodgers, which is the whole it's hard to win it two times in a row because it feels like the story's played out. Yeah. So once you win an MVP, really in any sport, I think, right? All of a sudden, it becomes that much more difficult. Uh, I disagree. Hmm. I think it's about. I think if you won last year, yes. I don't think Michael Jordan 
when he won his second or third or fourth, it was like, oh, he won four years ago, so we're not going to give it to him. Very well said. And I think it, it goes across all aspects. You're the, well, you're the expert on movies, like in the Academy Awards, right? It's got to be difficult to win Best Actor back-to-back years, right? Yeah, that's interesting. I think that, in a way, the Academy's, the Academy's more honest about what their intent is. The Academy Awards' intent is to generate interest in their movies. So anything that's quirky or different or Meryl Streep for a 28th time or whatever, they like that because it's they're thinking, they're, in a way, the Academy Awards is a live press release. They're trying to create a press release. I think that in sports leagues, the voters are writers. And if you haven't been around and, and now moving towards podcast people, media people, if you haven't been around these people, and I have some, they are some of the most incorrigible distasteful people they have a great life relative to a vast majority of the world but they're mad because back in the day it was like they were aspiring novelists that somehow had to deign to become a writer for the la times or whatever and they some of them are failed athletes now i'm not talking about retired i'm saying they were you know al bundy in high school and it's just general just discontent so what are they they're they're um they're sour and thus, they don't want to, and plus, they pride themselves on not getting sucked up in the narrative. And, pl- and there's another factor, too, which is they got their favorites. And it might be because of something personal, or it might be because they're getting fed stories by them. You always, you know, Mike Lombardi talks about this is uh, Al Davis used to tell him, why is this story out here? Right? It's not investigative reporting, someone leaked it. And why did they leak it? And to me, in general, follow the money, you could call it. You could call it uh, who's got an incentive. But oftentimes, there's bias with the writers, the media people. And maybe it's hard to blame them because if they do this, then they get the next story. And you should say they should be agnostic towards that. Okay, but we're in the real world. But don't you not know that most of this stuff is full of crap. And... I can speak to this for someone that's been, you know, more than a few times on the inside of something that got written about after the stories have hardly any connection to the truth. It's a, it's more than you could imagine how wrong they are. And you know what? Everyone that's ever been on the inside of anything like that talks about it, how just wrong it is, which makes you wonder about all the shit. I have no idea about that. I read and think, Oh, there's the truth. <laughs> It's just not. And I don't think there's any agenda to get it wrong. I think it's just tough to get it right. And especially in this day and age where they're, the next stories do the next day, how much, you know, this isn't work six months to f- break a story. <laughs> this is work six, six minutes to break a story. And it's usually wrong or more times than you could imagine. Mackenzie pulls up two actors have won the Oscars in consecutive years. Mr. Spencer Tracy, 37 and 38. You were there, Fez. Was that a lot of excitement around that? Come on now. (laughs) Hey, now. And Hanks, 93, 94. You love Big. Oh. Oh, my God. The keyboard scene. Oh, it's great. You ever watch Big with Johnny? We have not watched it, but I'm looking forward to it. Oh, that's going to be great. (laughs) How'd the birthday go? Birthday was great. Played in the snow. Went up to the mountains. On his birthday that night? No, Saturday. I said, how did his birthday go? His birthday went well, but 
yeah, I, we we had a little cake, and he got this enormous happy birthday helium balloons. He loves it. Does he breathe it in, or you don't let him because it hurts his brain? He just, Daddy, I can I can blow up a balloon now. I'm like, well, you're ten. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> imagine, listen, Johnny is a nice boy. I say that again and again. But imagine how um, protected you have to be that Fez is like, like bullying you. Like you, you, you kind of feel like you should bully him just a little bit so he gets used to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm saying is imagine you being able to bully someone. Ah. You know, I, I think I was a good dad here. Like, I, I was talking to him no about... No saying you're not a good dad. I, I actually, like, he was having a problem with the child in school. I said, I said hit me. And, and, and he hit me. And I said, yeah, you got to hit me much harder than that. Now, if this, you're going to hit somebody, you know, for... Was, how long ago? This was just a few months ago. Okay. I said, if someone comes up and hits you, you hit them back. So give them the first punch and go from there. Strike first, strike hard. No mercy, right? But that's the opposite. I know. Saying. I just had to say it because it's what Cobra Kai is... Like it's not applicable. Is. It's not applicable, but it's such a good line. Maybe you should have him start, like, tell him, listen, you got to get a reputation. <laughs> yeah. And, you know. No one will mess with you. It's like in, uh, <laughs> it's like in the movie uh, Family Business, which is a really shockingly, I, I would say good movie, but a shockingly big star's that really everyone's forgotten. I think it's one of those movies, I think the rights are in limbo because you just don't see it on cable. But it had Sean Connery playing the fa- the grandfather and then um, Dustin Hoffman Ooh. played the dad and then uh, Matthew Broderick Bueller played the son. And... Uh, Matthew Broderick is a like MIT type, you know, dropping out of grad school right before he gets his degree because he's wants to live a real life kind of thing. And Sean Connery plays a crook, you know, he's about 75, 73 at this point, but he's still getting into bar fights. He's still, you know, he did time. Dustin Hoffman's a guy that went, you know, went to jail working with his dad when he was a kid, got out, got married, and he's a meat packer. Hmm. But he owns the meat packing plant. So in a way, Dustin Hoffman's down there grinding, getting rheumatoid arthritis with the meat, but it's because he's working it straight. He's on the straight line, on the straight, and he all that for his boy to go to MIT or whatever. And <laughs> and Sean Connery's just going around banging thirty-year-olds still, and there's a lot of conflict. Uh, this isn't giving anything away, but what happens is the kid finds out about a way for them to make like a million dollars, but they got to do a crime. Mm. And the family business is crime. It's very good. It's very good. But anyway, at one point, I won't say when and what it was related to, but Sean Connery was going to jail. I mean, or prison, not jail. And he said, uh, his grandson said, you're going to be okay. You know, he's an older guy. He goes, here's what you do. <laughs> That's right, as good as I can do, Sean Connery. And he talks about it. He goes, you find the biggest, baddest one. First day, you go up, you beat the hell out of them. They don't mess with you after that. So there you go, Steve. Tell Johnny, like, get some brass knuckles. Just a couple shots. Tell him, don't hit him in the eye, just low to the right. And then he gets a rap. Like, he's like crazy. Just like Ole Anderson. I like it. <laughs> now, would you advise him to do that? No. 
But what happens if you felt like that he needed? Let's say he was getting picked on. And I don't think, you know, he's at a school with all nerds, so how's, who's going to pick on who, right? But if he were, what would you do? Would you ever beat the kid up? No. But let, let's say he was beating up your boy and no one would stop it. Would you have to step in? Oh, yes. And what would you do? Would you beat him up, like, in an alley? Well, I would have a talk with his dad. And his dad laughs at you. It says, I know your type. I used to put your head in the toilet. Gosh, you know, there's... There's Your hair some, still looks like that. Some, and I should know this. There's some TV show, you'll know this, where this exact situation happens, and it's a detective, and he takes his brass knuckles and beats the hell out of the kid's parents that's been bullying his kid. Okay, and let's say that doesn't stop him. Boy, the way he beat him up, that would stop him. No, the kid's a wild kid. Uh, what do you do? I don't know. You don't beat the kid up for your boy? No. Can't do So it. you'd let your boy get beat instead of another boy? Yeah. Even though that boy is the cause of I'm it. not going to beat up an 11-year-old. Nope. you got to beat up somebody. <laughs> I'll beat up his dad or get beaten up to trying. What, you wouldn't hire muscle? No. Really? <laughs> You're doing the opposite of what I would do. Mm. One, if the dad had to go down, you, I'm going to bother with it. <laughs> I'm going to hire it out. Then number two, if now I'd beat up the kid because I could feel <laughs> it's worth it. What about you, Mackenzie? When else are you going to get the opportunity to beat up a kid? I'm all No, 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 no. Didn't we agree you weren't going to try to be funny? I, I would beat I'm up asking a, you a serious yeah. question. What would you do? No joking. I would beat up an 11-year-old to protect my cousin or nephew. Or For sure. Like yes, Every same person would. Now, would you enjoy it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? So you're a sadist? <laughs> yes, not a masochist, a sadist. I like other people's you, pain. You do like other people's pain? If I'm, if I wouldn't go out of the way to hurt someone, but, but then, if someone's well, you hurting, don't go yeah. out of the way to do something you like. No, because I, I care about other people hurting. But if whoa, I have whoa, to, wait, anyway, I thought you like it. Yeah, but I also am a moral person. Oh, so you feel ambivalent about it? Yes, it's a good word. All right, you're gonna stick with you wouldn't do anything to protect. I'm sticking with that final answer. All right. In an unrelated note, Dave Esser has a best bet on the MVP. <laughs> And I got to tell you, when I saw this number, I was like, really? It looks juicy. I might do a little smorgasbord here, a little Josh Allen, and a little let's listen. Well, and probably what's my last NFL bet before the draft, I took Justin Herbert 25-1 to 1 to win the NFL MVP next year. Is it a stretch to think he wins it this early in his career? Nope. Mahomes did it. Lamar Jackson did it. And most of you know I'm super high on, on Staley, the new head coach this year. And look at, just look at last year with a marginal O-line, no eagler for six games. Herbert threw for 4,300 yards, which was good for sixth in the league, three-to-one TD-to-interception ratio. And remember, he was not the starter in week one. When he came in, started his career one and seven, ended the season four and O, oh, only thrown one pick in those four games, so immeasurable improvement. Chargers' schedule looks juicy this year. They've got nine games against defenses that last season were 22nd or worse in points per game. And of those nine, seven of them were in the bottom third in yards per pass attempt arrived. When I look at the MVP odds, three quarterbacks with shorter odds are guys we can't say with 100% certainty where, or even if in Deshaun Watson's case, they're going to play. I'm not a big fan of letting books hold my money for months on end, but holding some at 25 to 1 on Herbert for MVP is a risk I'm more than willing to take. Okay, this is the same rationale from Dave Asler that gave us a lot of 
uh, lamentably, one of your favorite quarterbacks, he's 5'8", Fez. Who are we talking about? Murray. Kyler Murray. You love him somehow. Love him. But anyway... Herbert's second year. Now, we know last year it was Aaron Rodgers, but prior to that, Lamar Jackson, Mahomes, both second-year guys at the time, why not? Herbert, no doubt, no freaking doubt, was more pedigreed coming into the second year than Mahomes. He played one game, yeah. one game. And Lamar Jackson was almost benched in the playoff. He was nothing that first year. Who knew if he was going to even, you know, it was like, Obviously, he had a hell of a second year, but wouldn't you agree Herbert had a much better first year than either of them? Yes. So that means the sky's the limit. What do you think? And by the way, 25 to 1. Nice co coaching upgrade, right? So conservative um, last mm, that's year. That's an interesting point. This is a counting stats kind of thing. Yeah, and, and despite of the conservatism, you know, he was chucking the ball all over the place. So now... Well, but... Chucking the ball would be not conservative. So yeah, he really. Yeah, I, I think he's a gunslinger. I think the kid is just inherently a gunslinger, and that's only going to be even more so. And if you bet someone winning the MVP, they better be you know taking some risks because that's how you're going to win. All right, I like it. How 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 wide that market out there, Mackenzie? Meaning, is there a bunch of places that have it up? I'd say probably about uh, four or five books. Uh, I mean. Let me better way to say it. About a third of the books you're, you'd like, you'd see this number. So you not, have a way with words. <laughs> it's out there, but it's not not easy to find. Faz, what do you think of that? I might want a little nibble on that. You know, the only problem I have with it is if you asked me, would I lay minus two hundred on Josh Allen versus Herbert? I would absolutely. That doesn't matter. I know. I like the Josh Allen so much better. Okay, but it doesn't matter. The question is, is this a positive EV bet? Let me think about it. I'm not sure is the answer. So let me give you an example. Of, and this is the theory here, not this bet necessarily. So let's say that we know flipping a coin is 50-50. Let's say it's a fair coin. And we know the odds of flipping three straight heads is 7-2-1, uh, right? Or so, Yeah, or 8-4-1. Yes. And then 15 slash 16 is 4. Okay. So if I said, all right, I'll give you 9-1 to one on three in a row. Are you betting that? No, not against you because I've learned no, that no, there's no, something no, about no, the coin that's no. wrong. But yes, I'm betting it. Right. Yes. And let's say the other one was 30 to 1 on the 16 to 1. Do you bet that? Yes. Now, do you reevaluate betting the 8 to 1 that's really giving you 9 to 1? That's a good point. Right? Now, if you have a finite bankroll, we all have a finite one. But if, if the amount is really going to stop you from betting, maybe you don't bet it, right? But here, I like, but I want to have, as we talked about on the radio today, a portfolio. And here's a guy you could make a case for, could, it wouldn't shock us at all if he was not an elite quarterback next year, right? I mean, there's a huge high ceiling on him. Now, I like that. I mean, in a way, I almost feel like, boy, see, that's interesting. I think I would certainly take Herbert plus 200. So if you're saying that's interesting, well, first off, it's 25 to 1 versus what was it, 13? Yes. So that's right there. Okay. So if you're saying, if I said, if Herbert wins, I get two units. Allen wins, you get one unit. If neither of them win, it's no bet. You'd want that bet. Yes. Well, I think we should do that. All right. All right. I like that too. So um, I think we make this a nice one. Do a thousand. But you liked. 
Allen as well. I do. But you like Herbert more. I do. Yeah. I think Herbert should maybe be about the same odds. I mean, you know, I could see it being like 18 to 1 versus 13. Hmm. Like, what, if anything, what we have with Josh Allen is multiple years of mediocre play and one year of elite play. With Herbert, we have one year of slightly less elite play, but no counterexample. It's very well said. And really, what I'm counting on is Buffalo just projecting to be the better team but I don't, and I'm getting not, the favorable I, rounding from, from that. That's an interesting point, but. I don't even know. That's an interesting question because we've done the work in the NBA is how much does the results of the team matter? In the NBA, it's significantly. In the NFL, I mean, I know they're not going to give the MVP to someone in six and, you know, but the win total for the Chargers is going to be what less than Buffalo? Buffalo would be what, 10 and a quarter? It's a good number. A little bit higher, maybe, I think. Getting I thought 10 and a half, but then I was, yeah, yeah. 10 and a half. Yeah. All right. Good. And wh- what do you got for the Chargers? 8.3. Oh, I think you're crazy. That's too low? I mean, 8.3, this is a team that every year they're supposed to be. Remember now, you had your monster bet of the year, not really, but a big one, on the Chargers against the Patriots. So you were saying you were saying that, they, that the Chargers were clearly the better team. Now, do you think the Chargers have upgraded a coach? Oh, big time. Okay. And where have they hurt themselves? Except Herbert, the biggest jump of quarterbacks between year one and year two. Fair enough. Yeah. You don't like his bat at all, do you? And plus, Josh Allen almost feels like he's old news. Like, he had his year. He couldn't win. You know, but the Chargers, I'm assuming fans are going to come back in the stands. And how much are we going to wait the fact that they got a home field crowd disadvantage but that's the case with every but what's that got to do with the mvp well it has to do with winning games yeah but it, it makes it harder to win your home games when your crowd's rooting against you right but then but they've been putting up win totals of them like 10 and 11 over the last 10 years <laughs> and every year i hear how good they are i might think finally it's correct hmm. i don't know no, I would like it to be someone other than Josh Allen, but I'm going to have a little Josh Allen anyway, sure. so I'll be fine. But I'm saying, I, I, what I'm saying is, if you don't mind, give a little hunt on that, and let me think here. I'd like it to be a nice win. Let me see, 200. But I'd say put 200 on if we can. Nice little win. I'm on and it then, tonight. Again, it's for me. Yeah. You want some? Put yours yeah, on. I got it. I got it. And if you, you know, so. I'll shop it. All right. So, anything else on Herbert? And again, I like to bet with Esler. <laughs> By the way, I do. You can for follow, good reason. You can follow Dave on Twitter at Dave Esler, but there's an underscore Dave underscore E S S L E R. Once again, that's Dave underscore Esler. We got a bet coming from the Hitman coming up, and Fez. We got a uh, bet from you. What's your bet in? I got two bets. Mm, one's enough. No, but they're good. All right. What are they in? One's in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Special bet. I mean, you're a specialist in that. The field versus two, the two. Why don't uh, we do this? In after the next segment, we're going to do an early best bet for you. So next segment, as we shift gears here, Zach Wilson. How good is he? Faz has an insight. He thinks tells us something about the kid's character And then I'm going to put a hot take stake down in the ground. Go ahead, Fez. All right. So Zach Wilson played at BYU, and he had a decent year, nothing special, and he wanted to get better. So what did he do during the summer? 
he pretty much religiously every weekend hopped into his car, drove from Salt Lake all the way down to Southern California to work with John Beck. Are we sure that he didn't drive down with somebody else in their car? He drove his own car. You know that. Yes, it he, was in the article. Go ahead. So 10 hours stopping only for food and gas. He didn't have to pee ever? Well, all right. Go ahead. And oftentimes he would stay with a former B, with a BYU teammate that lived in Southern California, sleep on his couch, and he would just work with this guy, John Beck, on the weekends to get better at quarterbacking. And then he'd drive back on Monday, and he would work during the summer, Monday through Friday, and he'd just repeat the process, the process again and again. That's the first time your voice did that. Is that a sign of age, you think? Usually that'd be like a teenager, right? Your voice No, changing. you didn't crack. It's like you lost your, your wind. You were talking. <laughs> Possibly. Oh, my God. What do you think of Mackenzie busting your balls about your age? Well, you know, Mackenzie should respect his elders. I, I, I'm serious. So it was really mean. It's like they were talking about the COVID, and he goes, yep, my dad got it. He's 72. Fez, you're next. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> you, you smiling right now, Mackenzie? Yeah, I got a little smile going. I didn't mean, I really didn't mean it as an insult. I just figured, you know, after seven. You realize six, he's in his mid 50s, right? I didn't mean next, like tomorrow. You know, next, you're, you're upcoming. Well, I'm going to worry about my cognitive abilities when Mackenzie starts to be able to threaten to beat me at poker. But until that happens, I think I'll be pretty safe. You know, you, you can tell how bad he is at poker, is I set up the bet and he still lost. I mean, it was like the, I did more. <laughs> they could have had a robot play from there. I mean, one of the robots from, like, Rocky Three. <laughs> Literally, I, I believe you said, you know what? It's almost like the movie. You're talking about Rocky Three. I'll talk, talk yeah, about Rocky Two, yeah. where, the Rocky, where, where Apollo Creed's manager says, you're way up on points, and you set this up for him to be way up on points. All you got to do is last another round, and you win. And what does Apollo Creed do? Comes up to Rocky like Mackenzie came out to be. You're going down. And Mackenzie's got uh, somehow he didn't get enough love. I'm not blaming anyone in particular. I'm not saying he needed more love than the average person. I'm not saying he's ravenous for attention and love and affirmation, but he is. I know he went for the knockout fast. Did you not, Mackenzie? Be and that's part of the insecurity that stems from a lack of love. And then he's always trying to prove himself. You see that, Mackenzie? I'm starting to understand. <laughs> I'm just thinking, is there a way? I don't know. I don't think I could set up a deal. You take it. He could win. Big John, you think this boy is a hustler? All right. So your point is he's got a good work ethic. Yeah, and our number one fear when we're drafting one, two, three, four. We, what team do you draft with? when a team, when an NFL team is drafting, is character. Like, this was kind of popularized right on draft day, the movie where they were thinking about... Well, I mean, that's obviously what we want to refer to, the movie. Well, but but the point was they're trying to figure out, you know, what's between this well, kid's... the point is it's a movie. But it's what's between these kids' ears. I think it's accurate. You know, is he, a, is he going to be putting the time in? Is he committed? And that's the biggest fear I think a lot of teams have. If you're going to draft someone one, two, three... They better be, you know, devoted to their craft. So how would you rank yourself at the age of 22, 23 when it came to that commitment? 
I was pretty darn committed. Yeah. Yeah. I'd give myself what a marks. I got older. And and just figure what the hell. Because if you think about it, when you get older, in a way, it should motivate you because you realize you're like at the end of the road. Like this could be the last rodeo. And you would think, you know, it's like Brady. Brady seems to be taking mm. each year more seriously now than he was before, right? Yes. But your rationale is as the finite number of opportunities dwindle, I'm going to treat each one like it's less important. Nope. I disagree with that. I reinvent myself, and a lot of my peers don't. Reinvent? Yes. So you mean that, you, like, what you put out there is some fabrication? No, I'm then saying— How can you invent the truth? I'm confused. I'm, I'm saying I, I've explored new betting opportunities that I didn't even look at, like, five years ago, like, like betting player but that's props. that's not reinventing yourself. It's reinventing how you bet— or Yes. How, but why did you say yourself? Like, you're lying to the audience. I, I, mis, I misspoke. I, I re Or oh, Freudian misspeak. Yeah. Possibly. Do so. you feel like the the because it seems to me that when I met you, it took a chisel and some type of diamond drill bit to get through to any truth, and then as the years have gone by through relentless badgering, I've gotten some truth out of you, because before you had this facade you were trying to put out there, and then it seems like people would say from the day we busted through, you've been the same person, Mackenzie. You've been listening for how long? Three, three, four years. And do you feel like Fez is, the, again, obviously you've gained up close insight, but other than that, from what you see as a listener, I bet he feels very similar now to he did then. Yeah, he's still the same Fez we know and love. Uh -huh. Love, okay. I'll take it. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But if you would have listened, you know what you should do is listen to him like on his, he used to have really like John Kelly. You should listen on that show and see who is. You'll be like, who is this person? What do you think, Fez? <laughs> There's been a metamorphosis, but it's been drilling into the truth. <laughs> see, once you have the truth, you don't need anything else. That's what people don't get. And it actually is all joking aside. It is one of the things that so many people in our industry get wrong, because when they came up, they saw. The, you know, the Jim Feist, nothing against anyone in particular, but there was a, there was a, um, you know, the Saturday morning shows weren't giving you all truth. Guys right? would never disagree with each other. They wouldn't never. disagree with each other. I mean, I, I tend not to disagree with you, but I understand. <laughs> but <laughs> that's all I have. People are like, RJ, you always disagree with them. I was like, well, is, and, and, you know, they would rent cars. And I take pictures and then rent snakeskin boots and then they give them back. And you should see someone Steve knows that he's competitive with that he knows did that. And his lips were just quivering. He wanted to say it. <laughs> Does it scare you that I know what you're thinking? Even like you gave the only giveaway was your lips were <laughs> curled up like someone who was really thirsty and it was like a big <laughs> fresh greased orange juice. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I've paid all the dues I'm going to pay. Yeah. <sighs> Have you heard that in your ears the last week? I like that. That means we might see something different. All right. I think there's something. Anything else on Wilson? No. I've got something on Wilson. Phil Sims's boy, Chris Sims. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've never had any dealings with Chris Sims. I did not like Chris Sims to start with. 
I don't even know why. I'm just being can I think some of us need to, or most people need to accept that they've got feelings that don't necessarily have a lot of rhyme or reason to them. We just have them. And they're there. And if you really study hard, there's probably something to it, right? And I probably think, ah, nepotism, daddy was in the NFL, daddy's in media. But you know what? That was a very facile surface thought i didn't know chris sims and as i've gotten to you know consume his content the guy's good and one he watches film and to me i always like film guys because i don't i don't know enough to do it i've bought a few books on you know like smart football and a couple others i want to start to understand the schematics more and then maybe i can start watching the all 22 and again i'm never going to be an expert at it but Unlike Fez, I try to keep improving. I've I got more dues ahead of me, and I got no problem with that. See, Steve, that's something you might want to consider. If if anything, it's harder to stay on top once you've gotten there, because people are trying to knock you down. People get complacent, and not only that, things evolve. One of the things I think it's super important to understand about tech, for example, is who usually the greatest software or other innovations are from 20-somethings. And a lot of people think that's because synaptically they are smarter. Einstein did his papers at 26. You know, you hear that all the time. And there is some truth to that at the highest level of thinking. A chess player at 25 is better typically than a chess player at 45, even though he's played 20 years of chess in between. All right. But that's not the reason in tech. It doesn't require that 99.9 percentile of intelligence synapses what it is is they're native to the software language of the day so if you go back and think about oh there was this there was that there's ruby on rails there's this every i don't know seems like five years or so there's a different P, uh, software language that becomes like this is it and you know who embraces it with vigor the people who are just learning their first software language the ones that's even 35 They've learned one language before that, if not two, and they're like, ah, oh, I got to learn something else. It's kind of like Fez where it's like, okay, there's Friendster, there's MySpace, there's Facebook, there's Twitter, Snapchat, and now we're into TikTok. You probably tried a little bit to keep up initially, right? Then screw it. Just go with Twitter. Yes. And think about that it's a human reaction and yeah the smart 35 year olds are going to learn what they need to learn but it's not in their blood it's in the blood of the kid who's 18 learning it so take that and you can have that for free steve i like it all right so chris sims he watches tape but i think what's is even more important is he's not afraid to buck convention B-U-C-K, Buck Convention. And I saw it when I listened to his draft special last year. You know, he, he went through and he had his five best cornerbacks, his five best DNs, his five, you know, each position group. And there were more than a few times he said, I know this guy is the clear number one on the boards. I've got him sixth hmm. or fifth. And, I mean, it's like now what I would have thought was, okay, I feel good about my opinion the market, though, is wisdom of crowds. I think the guy's maybe fifth, 
The market thinks he's first. I'm going to say third because I'm figuring I'm missing something. And I'm not sure that's the wrong way to do it, to be honest. But the fact he's going, he didn't say it was close. He goes, I'm going to tell you it's not even close. There's nothing to gain from that because he's already out on a limb. So if it ends up Zach Wilson's better, he wins. Mm. By making it even more extreme, he's just telling you the truth, his truth as he's seeing it. And he came out recently, I think it was earlier today, we're taping on Wednesday at the pregame.com offices, Wednesday night, and he said, Zach Wilson is better than Trevor Lawrence, and it's not even close. Wow. Now, I've been, you would call a Trevor Lawrence skeptic. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's counter points here. Mike Lombardi, who I value greatly as an NFL uh, analyst, an expert, he said Trevor Lawrence would go first in any draft. That This guy might be the best prospect he's ever seen. So there's certainly contrary opinions. I do feel like the fact that there's a serious person saying this, I think it deserves celebration. Just because it's so different. It's a true expert putting himself on the line. And number two, I think it speaks to maybe Trevor Lawrence's uh, armor has a few dings in it. Let's look at some work we did originally. Pregame.com originated it. Clemson, when they're favored in the Trevor Lawrence era, by 10 or more points. And if we look at Trevor Lawrence in these competitive games, and we're defining that by not favored by double digits. So that means you're favored by nine. It's a competitive game. Jesus, this guy with the blonde hair. All right, so in the 32 games he played that were not competitive coming in, his completion percentage was almost 70%, and his yards per attempt were almost nine. That's outstanding. Now, in the four games he played that were competitive, now let's go through these. 19-8, or check that, 2018 National Championship game, Clemson was a five-and-a-half-point underdog against Alabama. In the 2019 National Semifinal, two-and-a-half-point favorite Clemson over Ohio State. In the National Championship game that same year, Clemson a five-and-a-half-point underdog versus LSU. And finally, when the Buckeyes rubbed their face in the dirt in the National Semifinals this year, Clemson was a touchdown favorite, and we're even calling that competitive. In those games, his completion percentage, Trevor Lawrence, was 10 points, percentage points less. 69 when they, against the Osserans, 59. It's like Joe Namath style. 59. This is like 1977. Oh, my gosh, he's great. But when he plays anyone halfway close, 59% completion. Oh, I'm sure there was some reason, the wind or something. Yards per attempt down from 8.9 to 8.2. Now, I get you're supposed to play better against lesser competition, but this is uh, – Looks like it's like the Baltimore Ravens of quarterbacks. They beat up on Lester Bully teams. ball. You know, I, I got to be honest, the 8-9 versus the 8-2, I think is A-OK. -A -A in fact, I mean, remember, he's pounding Vanderbilt and run after catch and the like, but I think you nailed it. That completion percentage basically just under 70% against the cupcakes, but under 60% against the elite teams. And guess what? His NFL opponents on defense are going to look better than these – opponents he had in college, the four elite teams he had to play in college. And 
listen, I'm not saying that even these numbers, I mean, I do think that 59% is too little, but it is a disparity. Now, this runs in the contrast, I guess, with Zach Wilson. And I would make the following point, or I guess it's what Sims was saying, was he reminds him of Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers thrown from the different arm position. Now, again, I am not judge. I can't judge quarterbacks, especially at the college level. But when you got a guy who's not afraid to buck convention, and you got a Trevor Lawrence that has all the trappings of groupthink, I think we are in a situation. And I'd love a bet. As much as I like, in a way, groupthink is why Trevor Lawrence would keep getting chances. Sam Donald, if he was a, a, a fifth-round choice, might be out of the league right now. And I'll tell you this, Minshew's a lot better, has played a lot better than Sam Donald ever dreamed of playing. Yeah, that's a great point. And how, how long are these quarterbacks going to carry their resumes and talk about how they're summa cum laude, but they're not getting it done on the, on the playing field? Now, I get some of it where usually high drafting is about or not intangibles, but about measurables, mm -hmm. arm strength. And thus, you're always going to give that guy that's 6'4 another chance. But to some, and that's why, again, my bet with McKenzie, you want to recount that bet, McKenzie? Yes. Yeah, so in four years, will Trevor Lawrence be so a Entering his fourth season. Entering his fourth season, will he be a starting quarterback? So nothing to do with injuries. Will yeah. he be a planned starter? Yeah, prospect or a, that's a good one, is the um, presumptive starter for a team. Entering his fourth season. And uh what did I lay? Minus two fifty? Minus three fifty. Oh. Where's your head at on that bet, Fess? And and remember, if it was an injury, it does if it was a catastrophic injury where he he has to quit the league, it's no bet. And then if he is supposed to be, again, the presumptive starter but gets hurt, we still I still win. So really it's gotta be he's he literally is either out of the league which is almost impossible, or he's uh, now a career backup. So this is a guy being described as a once-in-a-generational prospect Yes. that if he gets injured, it's a refund. Uh -huh. So he'd have to be like the greatest bust of all time versus expectation if he is indeed Yeah, it'd be like a Ryan like Leaf this. kind of thing. Yeah, and, and, and the mere I'm fact— I'm not sure he would have The mere fact you can say Ryan Leaf, you know, and it comes— you know, they do, Obviously that and the Raiders quarterback come yeah, to Jamarcus. mind. Yeah, those are the only two, right? That, that, Except we know— Now, if you said randomly, let's make this bet with every— number one quarterback taken i think mckenzie's number might be about right i agree with that but now we got a case where literally two years ago people were saying oh if lawrence could go and come out this year he'd be the number one pick so he's extra talented and i think he's there's no he's been looked at pretty well there's no sense that he's dropping his jolly ranchers in with the codeine yeah purple haze whatever that means you're purple purple haze guy mckenzie love that song I'm talking about the the drink. <laughs> no, not yet. You're not familiar with that? Purple drink? Uh, yeah, like a Wayne-type concoction. Yeah, I've heard of it. But you've never been around it? No, we weren't that cool at Yale. Well, what about the streets of Chicago? My friends would come back from University of Illinois and tell me stories, man, and stories. And you just, you were like, you didn't feel a need to try to, like, live that life, so you stayed connected with your roots? <laughs> I wouldn't say I actively avoided it, but I just wasn't invited to the cool parties. I mean, that's, I a, I mean, that's a common thing, right, is when someone from 
a certain neighborhood, let's say, that is uh, got a lot of crime or a lot of, let's say, uh, out-of-the-box um, actions, is they'll go off to a place in which it's maybe college or whatever likely that makes them better perceived by some where it's like they come back and it's like, oh, you better now. And they, they, they don't want to buy, they want to prove themselves, prove that wrong. Oh yeah. There's, there's tons of that. Just the idea of being, but you didn't feel that. No, no, I wasn't, I wasn't raised that way. Cause you, you're saying you have an internal scorecard that guides you like a North star and you don't let, um, uh, you don't let peer pressure affect you. To this day, that's true. Wow. I don't believe it, but it's impressive. <laughs> All right. What I did was I said, because the response to Zach Wilson and what Sim said was, well, who, who did BYU play? Who did they play? Who did they play? So I said, All right, this is interesting. Let's look at Trevor Lawrence's. Average spread is three years that he started. And the average spread, I didn't take the time to take out the games he didn't start, so it would be even higher than this, was 25. Favored by 25 points. This year, which was the down year for BYU's schedule because no one wanted to play him, the average was uh, BYU favored by 19. So relatively, BYU had a tougher schedule. Now, a lot of people are going to say, oh, what matters is the absolute. I think that's wrong, actually. What matters, you're right. Occasionally, how fast is that D end? If he's chasing down Zach Wilson, that matters. Also, how fast is that cornerback going to close to an open receiver? That matters. But think of all the places it's relative. All blocking's relative. Right? Yeah, yeah, you're going up against weaker defenses, but you've got 240-pound guys blocking instead of 310-pound exactly. guys. Your guys less, their guys right? are less. Also, oh, the openness of the receiver is going to be relevant. Not a lot of BYU guys going to win the, the 100-yard dash exactly. in the Olympics, are so they? I'd say if I, had to, if I could have one number, as long as it was Division One, obviously mm -hmm. at some point it becomes otherwise, I want the relative number. The Clemson guys were better than their opponents. By 25. By 20. And the BYU guys were better by 19. Zach Wilson had a harder um, standardized. Um, Relative is the rel right way. Yes. One compared to the other. Yes. And I know that the other, the absolute quality matters, but I think at most half, I think less versus relative. So I'm going to make this official. I'm going to certify this take. Trevor Lawrence will have an objectively disappointing career relative to expectation. Andrew Luck had a relatively disappointing career. If you can't face that, you can't face the circumstances that lead to these disappointments because Trevor Lawrence is the last war. I keep hearing about the f you need a running quarterback. You need a and yeah, Trevor Lawrence isn't a bad athlete. But I, I got to tell, how does he compare to Lamar Jackson running? Yeah. How does he compare to your boy, Kyler Murray? Not very well, does he? No. Reportedly runs a 4-7 versus those other guys are 4-4 four, four guys. Yeah, and 4-7 is a typical, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't judge everyone. But I would make the case Aaron Rodgers was the better athlete in his prime. I'm not talking just arm. I'm talking 
I'm not even at, talking about. At, at some point, I'd almost prefer a four nine because the four nine guy isn't going to yeah, try but you're to off outrun. the subject now. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, you are off the I? subject because the subject I'm saying he's not that good of an you're athlete. Right. Yeah, you're right. We can debate, mm -hmm. but plus we don't know. In general, you want him to be faster. Yeah. You want them enough. to understand their speed because I mean, what they say about Tua is right. he overestimate, but that's a whole different conversation. That's the Fezzik podcast. You're going to do another an addition after the show? Dare to dream. Yeah. Well, no. It's a nightmare. <laughs> well, exactly. All right. So I'm going to say a relatively disappointing. I'm not hoping for. Well, I kind of am because he's going to be fine. His money, he's going to be fine. And if he if he sticks it to me, all the better for him. I'll be all right. What do you think, Fez? You would never have thought this without me, but what do you think? Um, the wheels are spinning. I like this. It's like an epiphany. Like, you've opened up my eyes. I've been, like, the mantra has been to tank for Trevor for forever. I want to ask you, set a line. Who's going to make more money from their second contract on? What would the odds be? That would be an interesting line. Well, one, that would be longevity. Now, if I wouldn't take that bet because Trevor Lawrence has a bigger body, so he's going to be able to play longer in theory. Oh, and he's younger too, right? Is that right? I'm not even sure. Um, I can't be by that much. I just I'm, assume everyone at BYU is old. What kind of prejudice? What kind of because they go they go on like you know they take a year off of school. I think everyone does for a mission. What do you think about that? Would you ever ever gone on a mission? Probably not. Because you figure you weren't making any money. Uh, I'm just not altruistic enough. Is that the right word? Yes, it is. Somehow you knew that word. Lawrence is two months. Beelzebub, Leviathan, Asmodeus, come forth from the abyss by these names. So, do, does the Church of Satan have missions? <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah. They blow up missions. <laughs> huh? Are you saying Satanists are terrorists? <laughs> you know, they, they're a protected class. Hmm. You, there is, you, I mean, we're having fun with you having the ethos of the Church of Satan. You might not be a member, but you do realize that they believe in their religion. Yeah, that's true. So you're going to, yeah. it's like, remember the Romans judged Jesus like you just judged the Satanist. It's all a matter of perspective, yes. Steve. <laughs> Hell yeah, they blow up, Bill. No. <laughs> I, the bet I'd be interested in perhaps would be whose contract, if you look at the second contract when the money starts, and really when there's discretion is the key, yeah. right? The first contract slotted in, in many ways is who has the more, um, the better contract, meaning you'd have to debate, is it average cost per, you know, because is Mahomes' contract better? Yeah. But let's say there was an objective measure of that, then that'd be, now I would want some odds because remember, there's another bias. The same bias that has the 6'4 guy with the golden locks go first more than he maybe should is the same one that says overpaying him for the second contract makes more sense. It's a good point. I'm more interested in who's going to be the better I'm about winning and losing. Who's going to be the better performer on yeah. the field? You love QBR? Yes. Oh, my God. You love it. You didn't even know about it two years ago. Yeah. You didn't know the difference between total QBR and just raw QBR <laughs> until like six weeks ago, I think yeah. I taught you. You'd think you quote QBR so much you'd lean back once and say, I, I'm going to dig into this QBR. 
You never thought to do that, did you? No. Do you even have the thoughts and choose not to do it, or it doesn't even it doesn't even come to you to do it? I would like to think it. I'm asking you. A, a, it doesn't come to me. I've paid all the dues. I'm gonna pay. Yeah. Next topic. Oh, we got your best bet, Faz. A, an early best bet. All right, who's going to win the national title college basketball? You can place the field, minus 150, or you can play on Baylor and Gonzaga. Now, this is a prop that's been up for a while. I really like the field. RJ, I want you to help me with this handicap because I think it's strong. Hit me. Okay. Now, for a good part of the year, Baylor and Gonzaga were head and shoulders above everyone else. They were undefeated and like, oh, is anybody going to be able to beat these guys? That was the narrative. And now there's been a lot more parity. Baylor has struggled with the relative to how they were playing because they had a COVID shutdown. The Zags not playing quite as well. But here's my breakdown. Right now, Michigan and Baylor comparable teams. That's how I feel. That's how the markets feel. Both teams have about the same odds to win the title at about 4-1. to one. They both have about a 15% chance. So if they played this tournament 100 times, Michigan would win 15, Baylor would win 15. I think everyone would pretty much agree close to those numbers. And, and where, where would you have Gonzaga in that? So what I did is I went in. I didn't look at Gonzaga's odds. What I did is I said, you know what? Which would I rather have, Gonzaga or the Big Ten, the remaining Big Ten teams? Wait a minute. You got something objective like Gonzaga's odds. Gonzaga's odds are plus 275. Okay. But I'm going to make the case that I think that those odds. So you'd, what you're saying is you're fading Gonzaga more than anything. Exactly right. Because if, So would you rather have a no on Gonzaga? Yes. Okay. Yes. But that I didn't see that available. So I'm, I'm doing what's the widely available Honestly, prop. So if you ask me, would I rather have the Big Ten or Gonzaga? And if somebody else wins, then it's, it's no action. You know what? If I and I don't, don't get, we don't need to worry. This isn't speculation. You can just look at all the Big Ten schools and aggregate their chances of winning. Yeah, and if I look at Ohio State, Iowa, and Illinois, all of them projected to be no worse than a number three, and probably you know ones well, well, and twos. On. Why are we speculating? We got the odds. So what are the odds added up for the Big Ten? Okay. So Mackenzie's got this up right now. You didn't do this analysis. No. So you just. You because just, there's so much vig in this well, number. All you got to do is, is is take the vig out of all of it. You don't know how to do that? And I got an Excel sheet that will do that for you. You can enter all 60 or 70 teams. But that, that assumes these are all properly priced across the board. Well, remember, well, remember closing line value. They got to I, I don't believe that when there's the but house that, is taking 40% vig. So these some of these numbers are going to be off across well, hold the board. On. So you think there's more vig in certain numbers than others? Yes. Uh, that's bull. It's, it's, I don't really sort of conceptually how it can be. There's, there's the true line. And once you take out the VIG, it is the implied true line, meaning there's God's line, and then there's the implied true line once you take out the VIG. The idea that, that in aggregate, Michigan, like all these teams in aggregate for the Big Ten are going to all be off in one direction, maybe one's off in one direction, well, I think, the I think other's off in another I direction. agree with that, I, but I, I really feel Gonzaga is the team that's off at the plus 275. I understand that, but now you're trying to give me analysis on the Big Ten that makes no sense. You're saying... Now, allow me as one uh, uh, pillar of my analysis to come up with a whole other concept well, I'm, that could equally be wrong. Well, I'm willing, to, I, go ahead. I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is. I would take, say, I'm I don't get I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm I, saying right. I have no idea. I don't have ideas unless I have a thesis that I can back up. 
and your thesis is based upon an assumption that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, my, my assumption is that these numbers make no sense to me. Which numbers? The fact that Gonzaga's plus 275, mm -hmm. and then I'm looking at 18 to ones on Illinois, Iowa, and and to a lesser extent, Ohio State, there shouldn't be that much of a disparity between these teams. They're just not. Yes, Gonzaga's better. Why is it the Big Ten? Why are we even using the Big Ten? I'm glad you brought that up because I'm willing to do I this. I was hoping you'd bring it up at some no, point. No, I'm willing to do it with the Big 12 also. You can, I hate, all right, I don't get my best Big so, 12 team so, so, in Baylor. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. What are you doing? Like, you could say the same thing about saying, take every team that starts with a C in their name. And add those up and say, how's that compared to Gonzaga? What's the point? My, my point is it that— all, It's circular logic. It's all going back to the fact you think Gonzaga's overpriced. Yes. Or underpriced. That's it. So Yes. But what I'm saying is nothing you're saying in any way validates that. Nothing. I'm saying if I had never seen the odds that are being offered okay. on all these teams— and you had said, but you don't have any idea how good Michigan or how good the fifth Big Ten team is. All you got's the odds to tell you that. But you're saying they're off. Well, I can tell you Gonzaga was better than all these teams back in December. Okay. But now over the past three months, the Big Ten has played each other and beaten the hell out of each other. And I believe those teams have gotten better because of that higher strength of schedule that they play. And obviously they've suffered a lot of losses along the way. And I don't think Gonzaga's gotten better because I, I well, they're beating be, up on the bad a, teams. That's their... a rationale against UNLV, for example, back during the Targs Prime. Hmm. And yes. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying that but that has nothing to do with Big Ten or Michigan. Or You're saying Gonzaga's overrated intrinsically because they don't have tough games, right? Yes. But that's they're a, not getting better as the course of the season goes on because how could they? They're not facing a strong enough strength of competition. What does that have? I'm trying to get this whole Big Ten canard that you had. I, like, what well, was I was it? just saying if I'm willing, if I as a better am willing to take the Big but, Ten but, but if, versus But if your Gonzaga, opinion mm -hmm. is good enough, Hmm. Why not just say your opinion is Gonzaga, but then you don't have any analysis. So you're going to say, I'm going to take something related to that, make it convoluted by having th these teams against Gonzaga. And I'm going to say, I'd rather these teams. Well, Thus, well, Gonzaga must be a bad bet. Well, how can Gonzaga, who's never won a Are national... really repeat the same They've never won again? a national title, and all of a sudden you were, well, were pricing the Browns them... were bad. That was your analysis. Yeah, but, but now we're pricing them like they're this elite team that's so that's much a whole other better than everyone else. You do realize now you're on another handicap, which is that it takes being there in the past to actually win the championship. So however good Gonzaga is, their lack of experience into the final final four is going to hurt them, both at player and coach level. That's a whole different handicap, which I tend to agree with. And they're going to have to play in the Midwest. No, adding, all six games. Adding, yeah, because there's so many handicaps? different hurdles across the board. I, I look at this number, and I'm like, I see this as like, I, I can't believe the yeah, field's gonna, only I'm, minus 150. I'm going to help you. Okay. Mackenzie, help with this too. Let's pick two. Let's pick two or three computer power ratings we respect. So we know Jeff Sagarin's one of them. We know Ken Palm's one. Let's just pick those two. You do Sagarin, you do Ken Palm. Let's see what uh, the rating is for Gonzaga relative to the second, or, you know, I'm assuming they're the first place team. All right, I'm doing Sagarin. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll play a few sound draws for you. It is no secret that the company I built, some call it an empire, is precious to me. That's from Dallas when they were reading Jock's Will. It was great because Miss Ellie, who I was a big fan of, Miss Ellie, 
If you if you're too young to have watched Dallas, it's pretty good. Mackenzie, you watched the scene recently. It's pretty good. Yeah, the old Texas Stadium. Yeah, them and Dusty Farlow. You know, when I was doing, uh, it was our time slot now for Straight Out of Vegas, Six Eastern. But the Gormans, their cousins, when Steve Gorman was the drummer for the Black Crows, "She Talks to Angels" is a great song. Oh, you know that song, Mackenzie? No, I don't know that one. <sighs> Generation Gap. Purple Haze, I know. It's a good one. All right, what do you got, Fat? Okay, so can, this is Ken Palm. Yes, please, they, please say something. They have Gonzaga's the best team. Uh-huh. Baylor five points behind. All right, so they're saying Gonzaga is five points better than any team in the country. Yes. All right. Do you disagree with Ken Palm? Yes. <laughs> you, you know more about it than him? That's amazing. All right, let's assume he's correct. So exactly five points? I, I rounded. Well, why would you do it? It's a computer. It's what? to 100. It's to 100. Well, give me the 10th. I just want to get the numbers straight. All right, Mackenzie, you've got it, and Gonzaga is only one and a half points better. Right. Baylor number two. All right. Okay. So Fez is going to be around, I'm guessing because he rounded, it's going to be five point, like four, I bet, because he's going to, he's rounding <laughs> it was to his advantage. 5.49 right. is still five. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm almost guaranteeing it. Go ahead. It's uh, 4.9. Well, that's a surprise. Okay. All right, so on average, we're going to say six and a half, 3.25. We'll say three. Yeah, we'll say three. So now the question is, how do we figure if a team is three points better, how do we figure how much more they should win the title? I'm not even sure how to do that one. Have any thoughts, Fred? Think about the heads-up match where they'd win about Oh, that's a good way to think of it. 58% of the time, three points. Is that right? Yeah, three-point favorite. All right, so now what we're saying is, but all threes aren't created equal, like meaning, or three and a half. So if there were a 28 and a half point favorite versus 25, what would that mean? Not much. Not much at all. So the way we would do it is, we would say, what's the average, the best team in the country is favored by how many points on average in round one, round two, round three, round four, all the way out and assume that they're going to play the second best team. That's the best assumption. Oh, you know what we could do? We could say this actually would work. Is how good is the 60? What on Ken Palm, what's the 65th best team? And then the theory is they're going to play the 32nd best team. And we can just do that. So give me 65, 32, 16, 8, 4. And then 2. Give them to me as, as you're going, please. 65th team has a rating of 13.5. All right, continue. Mackenzie, you do the same? Right. Got it. Okay. 32nd, 18.3. All right. Mackenzie, what's your 65th? 81, which is seven or 14 points worse than Gonzaga. Okay, minus 14. The 65th team's only 14? Wow. Oh, you know, this is a little deceiving, that first one, because it's going to be the at-large versus the – but the first one, we're going to call 100% chance to win anyway. So we don't even have to worry about that. 18.3. Uh, what's Fez's? What's number 32 for you? 10 points worse. All right. Number 16, Fez? 22.3. Okay. Mackenzie? 8.0. All right. Fez? Eighth is 24.8. All right. Making the sausage, baby. 
7.6. All right, number four. 29.9. All right. Kenzie? Four points worse than Gonzaga. Mm. So Sagarin's got, oh, we know they got tight guys. Then two is 31.9. Uh-huh. All right, so Feds, go back through yours and, com- and give me the differential against Gonzaga for each one. Okay. And then we're going to go down and just do the average. And then we'll create a money line. Mm. What do you think, Fez? I'm, I'm liking this. Yeah. Somehow I just saying I think so doesn't do it. <laughs> I like it, though. All right. This is O.J. Simpson's defense attorneys. Mr. Shapiro, Mr. Cochran, Mr. Douglas, Mr. Kardashian, Mr. Bailey. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is from There Will Be Blood. I drink your Milkshake. I drink it up. Mm. Oh, this is great. This is uh, Ray Donovan. And it's like the first season when Mickey, his dad, shows up. And Mickey's like being handled by the FBI, but no one knows it. And the FBI says, hey, meet me down there at 11, like at a certain time, but it was early, like 10 in the morning. This was Mickey's response to the FBI. Make it 11.30. I'm drinking tonight. <laughs> I'm drinking tonight. Oh, I love it. <laughs> There's two kind of nights, Mackenzie. The nights that Mickey's drinking, the nights he's not. Just needs a half an hour, you know? You're not too fast with those numbers, Faz. We got? I'm almost there. Okay. So, so we're going to assume it's 100% to win the first, um, but nothing's 100. Yep. The second. They're laying 18 and a half. All right. And Mackenzie, what was your differential again? 10? 10, yeah, for the second. All yeah. right. So I'm going to say the average is 14. Continue. Uh, Fadge, Against first? the number 16 team, 14 and a half. Go ahead. Mackenzie? Eight points better. All right. I'm just going to do this in my head. I'm going to say 11. Go ahead. Number eight team, 12 points. Kenzie? 7.6. Okay, I'm going to say eight. I'm going to say 10. Just like that, boom. <laughs> go ahead. Number four team, 7.3. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Four points. All right. I'm just going to say one and a half. I'm going to say five and a half. Continue. And 5.1. And 1.3 for Sagarin. All right. I'm going to say three. And we got one more, right? That's it. Oh, that's five. Okay, so now what's the money line in college basketball? And Fez, you want to get a sheet out, or do you got this in your head? How, how about I just give you the probability they win, right? That'd be easier. how would you know that? Because I'll, it'll be the, like the same thing. Yeah, but you're gonna do that in your head. All right, all right. Enough of that. Take a second, go look on the computer. I'm gonna continue playing. I mean, he can do it, but why? Take one of those things. Like Brad used to do, where he, he Brad has an amazing memory, and he used to have all this stuff he tried to do from memory. And it's like, why? Like write it down in front of you, and then well, you can use your brain for something better. I guess it's like as a kid, like if you have a good memory, you're gonna want to show it off. But when you grow up, it's like use that brain. And again, it's impressive memory. I was always the type to want the stuff in front of me. Even worst case, to look down at it. If you, you know, if you, if you need it. Oh, this is Polly talking to Rocky. 
It takes guts climbing back in that ring knowing you're going to take a beating. That's true. What's this about? It's guys like him that allows our whole lifestyle here. <laughs> That's fast. That's what they said about me about the poker table. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Uh-huh, Gary. Oh. Let me see. I've been hanging and banging for years. Fast <laughs> is taking a long time. I'm getting close. I know, you're gonna do it in your head. Got a lot of holes in the desert. All right. Oh, you still got calculations. Well, I got the probabilities. Now I got to just punch them all in. Uh-huh. You multiply them, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you know who I am? I'm Mo Green. I made my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders. <laughs> oh, speaking of making your bones. In the family jewel. In the family jewel, man. Worst oh, pain there is. 19.5% chance. Okay. And that equates to four to one? Yes. Okay. And their odds are what? Plus 275. Okay. So now here's the thought right away that someone's going to say, well, wait a minute, though. You take out that 40% VIG, it's going to be pretty much in range, right? Yeah. Yes. It's still probably a little overrated. So now the question is, is all this flawed because we're taking a 40% pull, you know, take out, and now we're going into like a, what, a 10% takeout if it's got a 20 cent, or I guess a 20 cent line is going to be a 5% takeout. So any calculation would have to adjust for that. I think what's more flawed is this is Baylor's worst possible path. This no, is no, no, it's not actually. It's saying that they're going to be playing the worst team. It's actually their best possible path. But, no, because they might, like in the finals, I'm assuming they're playing a, a number one seed. They're only three-point favorite. No, but, 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 but they could be playing no, a six I think, seed. Uh, I think as you – well, first off, history tells us that's not right, going right. to happen. But also I think you're right that the lines are a little tight late, but I think they're a little better early. Like To say they're playing the 32nd best team when there's only uh, 32 teams there means they're playing the worst team. That's a good point. So we've got them playing the worst yeah. team every step of the way. And I think in general, they're going to be play harder teams early and uh, easier teams later. I think that that's strong because there'll be an, inevitably there'll probably be one upset team that they'll get. But I, in a way, what we're saying is Gonzaga's odds are about right. And so what I think your handicap gets down to isn't that Gonzaga's overrated. It's that they have characteristics that might make them a good team, but not a championship team. Yes. They play in a bad conference relatively, so they're not battle-tested. And number two, they don't have experience at the level winning a title. That's right. They've certainly got the tournament experience, but they've... That's not what we're talking about. Exactly. We're talking about Final Four. We're talking about coming in... Playing back-to-back against monsters with one day off. With expectations. Yes. The psychology. All these cameras. If you're in the Big Ten, you're going to see a lot more cameras. Mm -hmm. You know, it feels like the change is almost like Hoosiers, but not really, where they're in the championship game. I think that's the handicap. I think that what what we've ascertained here is Gonzaga is about as good as people think they are, if we trust these computers. Mm. It's just they're not suited to win a title. If they were going to play 10,000 games in a simulation, they're the best team. Are they this big of a favorite to win the title? I say no, and thus you're trying to get at the field. Yes, 
And what is interesting is how we came up with just over 19% doing it with the math. Mm -hmm. Well, if I assume 20%, round it up to well, Gonzaga. The takeout? Oh, go ahead. No. There's no takeout because it's just, just math. I understand this, yeah. Yeah, so and remember, there's 15. we, we, we just assume 15% for Baylor, so 20% plus 15% is a 35% number. So the field so would be 65%. That, so I'm not. So what you're saying is we're not comparing it to the title odds. We're comparing it to your bet, which makes sense. And you're saying we just calculate, and it adds up to 35 with Baylor, the second one, which and we're doing Baylor's just by guessing in a way the takeout. All right. Yeah. And what you're saying is is that um, with the vig, so 35 percent would be what almost plus two or plus 200 you would need. Minus 187 would be the break even if you're okay. a 65 percent bet. And you're laying 150. Minus 150. Mm-hmm. So what we're saying here is saying because I think so isn't maybe the handicap. But you've probably had the right answer. Yeah, you know, yes. And I think I lucked into the answer because I actually well, had. No, your instincts are great. I had 65% actually written down as Listen, being. No one's questioning your instincts. They're as mm -hmm. good as, they're probably better than anyone I've ever met. But that is no excuse not to do the work. You're right. Because what you've got to do is you got to show how, one, people want to hear how to think about these things. Two, they don't, they want more than because I told you so. And I love what you said about just take the computed percentage right, of, right. The, of the six games. Obviously, that's what their chance of winning, right? I've never heard anyone do it. I, yeah. I, there's a chance there's a flaw in it. But I, we're coming at it a couple of different ways. I think it's all – here's why I like the instinctual play. This is the highest – we can trust our numbers the least this year. There's just COVID. There's all these variables. Whatever amount of variables there typically is – we said this in the NBA Finals. We said this will be – a um a higher variance fine or higher variance nba playoffs and w w weren't we right miami was the worst team to make the finals in a long time milwaukee was historically good and they were gone early and they were the year before too but yeah, yeah maybe that's not <laughs> yeah, that but, right. but but no but just in general clippers and, got beat yep yeah, i agree that doesn't happen as odd i think this is the perfect year if you're ever going to fade i don't even i wouldn't have to know the chalk Hey, is this price about what the market think? Yep. All right, give me the give me the field. Hmm. I think that's a good bet. In fact, we'll use that on the. I think that should be your centerpiece on Friday, straight out of Vegas. All right. What do you think, Mackenzie? I love it. I love it that we came at it at a practical, objective way, but also just old school handicapping. You know, gut instincts. I think it's the right side. Ladies and gentlemen, please hold all tickets. The stewards have posted the inquiry sign. You know, I just had an epiphany. Yes. There's a prop that always comes up in the tournament. The final four add up the numbers, the seeds, Ooh. over, under 11 and a half. Ooh. You got to feel. So let's do this. Let's, um, if it comes in at market, as soon as you see it, I'll, I'll take, uh, I'll take up to like two dimes on it. Yeah, on the over. So gobble it up. Yeah. Over, yeah. Right, get as much as we can. What I'm saying is let's not sweat that we got something at a certain number. Now it's a half point. I think this one's going to be way This off. is the classic example you taught me of the implied bet. You made a statement that was an implied bet yeah. on this prop, right? Yeah, I like that. No, you're very good at finding the ways at the theses or thesi. I don't know. <laughs> I'm RJ Bell with Steve Fezzik and in the control room, often with an open mic. McKenzie. <laughs> and then when he laughs, he tries to laugh and he can't get to the, you hear the muffled laugh. If I had to explain McKenzie, it really would be this simple. When the mic's supposed to be on, it's off. When it's supposed to be off, it's on. He's exactly correct if 
he if you did the opposite George Costanza style. All right, so do you still like this? And if so, they don't put a yes no on a favorite like this at some point. I, I bet maybe they will in Jersey. You know, let me check circle. Yeah, I don't care. I, we're on yeah, there right yeah. now. I mean, we'll, we'll get to it, but you like it. Yes. Meaning, because I've seen that twin, that bundling, because these two were the big favorites, and then, like you said, Michigan's kind of coming. Boy, it's interesting. The fourth favorite's 18 to 1. I think that's another reason that mathematically it might be a good bet, but the public's thinking, well, Gonzaga could win it, Baylor could win it, and Michigan could win it. Who freaking else is going to win it? And that's in their mind, they got two of the three that can win. Exactly right. Now, exactly implies you had that figured out, and I'm com- it's being confirmed. You've talked about this game for 22 minutes. You haven't talked well, about for, that. Well, for a good part of the year, people but weren't even You haven't putting, talked about that, have They you? haven't even put in Michigan in. I talked early on how, how these were the two teams. They were like, one of these two is going to win. the two favorites that get it close to even money. That's why they do that. And Some years they might have three in the bundle, right, but right. they want to get Usually clo- four, actually. They want to get close to even money. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go. We just keep recording. I'm going to go get a little snack because I'm hungry. I want you guys to talk as we transition to how – I don't want to even put an adjective on it, but let's talk about my Phoenix to win the Pacific best bat from last week. And I won't even hear this, so I want you guys – I will listen to it in playback. But I want, to he- I want you to be unfettered in your praise and analysis of it and my prescience. Mackenzie, you could start. Well, there's one big market in the NBA. If you listen to Fox Sports Radio, you'll hear conversation about these two teams quite often, as most of those shows are based in Los Angeles. And that would be the Lakers and the Clippers. So if there was only a way, also two teams that we don't think really care about the regular season as much as an up-and-comer like the Suns. So, Fez, is there a way that we could fade both the Lakers and the Clippers, but just in the regular season? If so, I can't think of it. How would we get about that? <laughs> so RJ nailed this and then he took a look. And frankly, I don't think any of us pay any attention to divisions in the NBA. But as it turns out, in the Lakers and the Clippers, and they are in the same Pacific division, there's the Phoenix Suns. So we took a look and what's this? All three teams were within one game of each other in the standings. And they're actually odds up on who's going to win the division. So you got three teams that are all comparable. And the projections, remember, the feeling is that the Lakers and the Clippers are going to get better in the playoffs. Maybe not necessarily play at 100% during the regular season. Now, that's not the case for Phoenix. Phoenix is a team that we would expect would maximize their effort each and every night during the regular season. Maybe not as high a ceiling, certainly, in the playoffs. Look at what the odds were, though. The Lakers and Clippers were the prohibitive favorites to win the Pacific Division. I'm back. Both the round plus of 100. And the Phoenix Suns, the little forgotten Phoenix Suns, 12-1 to 1 to win the division. RJ's like, Fez, McKenzie. Gimme, gimme. Gimme, gimme. It's like, Fez, how many games out is Phoenix? What are they, like three or four games out? And I'm like, they're game out, RJ. And you're like, what? And then we did some more research. RJ asked us to go ahead and do this. And as it turns out, who's been the best team in the NBA since all the teams returned to play in the bubble? What's well, not even close? The Phoenix Suns are winning 74% of all their games. We're talking playoff games and regular season games. Nobody else has won more than 66%. So you've got a Phoenix Suns team that's been clear-cut the best team since March, and we're getting them 12-1. to 1. Well, 
Since then, the Suns beat the Lakers, and the Suns are now, by decimal points, in first place in the Pacific Division, and I like the trend line also. The trend line of LeBron hadn't missed a game all year long. Well, all of a sudden, he's going to take tomorrow, Thursday, off. His first game missed, and I think he'll be looking at some load management over the rest of the season. Is it tomorrow or it's tonight against the Kings? It's tonight. Game's going on right now. Well, yeah. yeah. And right now, the Lakers are down by eight points with six minutes left. Got to love that. I think this could – this and another thing, Phoenix, if I'm not mistaken, they started a little slow this season because when you get a guy like Chris Paul – I mean, the trend line for Phoenix is really strong, right? They've won like I think fourteen out of seventeen or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They they had a stretch where they're nine and one, and I think it is fourteen and three or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and who knows about the again? It's twelve to one. I'm saying at the time, like at the time, I said maybe it should be eight to one. You're like, you sure? In hindsight, I'm not even sure it shouldn't have been like even like plus 200 maybe the all three should have been about the same yeah our niche well what's interesting is initially we talked about it and i love where you got at this you're like all right clippers lakers who should be favored like you know what i think lebron is gonna go ahead and and little load management ad is out clippers should be favored two to one favorite so then when you ask you know phoenix versus the lakers I don't know who's going to win more games, you know, over the course of the season. Those look pretty comparable teams. So back of the envelope, we said they play the season four times. We get two Clippers, one Laker, one Phoenix. Phoenix, three to one, should be the true odds. And we're getting 12 to one. I mean, even if we made some bogus assumptions along the way and we're a little bit wrong, we still get a fantastic overlay. I'm feeling good. Now, excuse me, obviously, yeah, 15 and three straight up. 14 and 4 ATS, trend line, baby. Wouldn't be funny if they win by like six games. I always dreamed not just to win the super contest, but to be up by five and a half games so I could do like a live stream flipping coins the last <laughs> week of what I was going to pay because it don't matter. Didn't get my picks in? Yeah, it's okay. So <laughs> the question is at the current number, is it still a good bet? Because some people were, I don't want to say stupid, stupid enough not to listen to last week's show. And now they're suffering. I think it is. And I, I like also this whole Booker initially getting um, overlooked for the All-Star selection. Even more motivation for, if, I don't know about you, but if they did that to me, I'd do something about it. And I'd go win that division. Oh, oh. that was the night we were bet. Was last week's recording is when Booker went over? Yeah, yes. During the okay. game, yeah. Oh, I thought we were gonna hit the hit the um, uh, what's that called? Canasta or some people. There's a different phrase I hear like uh, Yahtzee. I thought that's what I was gonna hear. Like <laughs> you, that. you know what's hilarious about that game? I just saw recently. Looking at, don't ask me why I was looking at the play-by-play. So Booker has 33 points, and they're down by three with five seconds left. I was watching that. Yeah. <laughs> if he hits that one, we would it would have been Yahtzee. Yeah, because it goes to overtime, and he already has 36. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. It's been long, so let's see what we got here. I'm going to skip. We're talking about Washington, the football team, next week. All right, Fez, this is what we want to do. Hit us with um, your college basketball theories, and then we'll go into best – your, uh, and we'll get the best bet from the Hitman. You know, that's NBA-related. Let's do the Hitman right now. So Thursday, NBA, it's the Miami Heat against Zion and the Pelicans, and he's got a player prop. Let's listen. Best bet, Bam Adebayo, 
over 18 and a half points, and I like it all the way up to 20 and a half. So Bam Adebayo is coming off one of his worst games of the season against Atlanta, scoring only 11 points. He admitted after the game that he needed to be more aggressive, saying, we started off slow, so I was trying to get my teammates to ball. Sometimes you got to do more and put your head down and make plays. It's quite simple. I got to do more. Well, Bam gets a great matchup to do more against a Pelicans defense that's allowing the seventh most points per game to opposing centers, and the Pelicans games are being aligned in the 230s due to their super fast pace and overall poor defense. Look for Bam to have a ton of opportunities to make plays and bounce back against New Orleans. Best bet, Bam out of bio, over 18 and a half points. The translucent one, the hitman, says, give me over out of bio. What you got, Fez? Bet Labs just came out with an alert that Adebayo has hit the injury list. I don't know what the injury is. He's questionable. So I'd be careful about betting him over. Hmm. So the rationale is if he's really hurt, he doesn't play. But there's some circumstances that he's hindered but still able to play, but it would affect his performance, obviously. Now, the catch-22 is if the line got readjusted – you can handicap the injury. That's right. But what we'll say is whenever you're giving stuff a day early or more than a day early to record it, there's going to be the variables here. If you've already played it, you eat it. And the assumption is play as early as you can anything because it's going to be pretty random if it's good or bad for you. But we know odds get more accurate as they get closer to the game. So thus play early if you can. Obviously, once you have the information, if you haven't bet yet, you don't bet as if you don't have the information. He'll still, though, have to get this counted to his record. That's the way we play. And uh, there you go. Let's continue on to college basketball. Now, Fez, don't do the clear your throat 50 times. Give us the facts here. You know, you and McKenzie like to, like, when you get the attention, I think, <laughs> you, you know, there's... There's that uh, dopamine hit. I think you guys got double dopamine whenever you get attention. So go ahead. Two college basketball conference tourney theories. Number one, every year I look to fade premium number one seeded teams that aren't necessarily looking to win their conference tournament. So when you say number one seeded teams, are you talking about potential number ones in the NCAA tournament? Yes. And they're they're locked up. They've got their number one seeds. This is the first year, RJ, I don't see any team – that I want to fade in the conference tournaments. Now, normally what happens, you get a Michigan State with Izzo. They're going to be a one. We understand about a locked-up one. Why isn't it the case this year? Because there's only two teams that have a locked-up one right now, and I could make the case Gonzaga's undefeated. Michigan's not locked up at one? I don't think Michigan's locked up by their one anymore because they got blown out by Illinois. All right, continue. All right, and Baylor... Yes, they've locked up their number one, but the problem is that Baylor is having a historic year, and they've never won the Big 12 title. They're going to want to get it. The conference championship tournament, yes. So because of that, I don't have any teams that may look to go ahead and make an early exit or just don't care that much in this tournament. If anything, I'm Do you look to play on these teams? That would be my lean. Okay. Yeah, if I had to choose, lay the lumber. All right. And what about the teams that are not competing for a number one? They're like an at-large. They're five. They're six. They're seven. A lot of times those teams, especially if you have a veteran coach, they don't care enough. They'd rather have the rest than they would worry about the fifth seed versus the sixth seed. Do you think that's just as applicable this year? 
No. And the reason being is that the tournament starts a day later this year. So it starts on Friday and instead so it's of Friday, Thursday. Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah. So that's an extra day of rest for everyone. I think that that is a pretty significant factor that is going to make it less likely that teams just mail in the tournament. Now that's a good point. Hmm. It used to be if you found the team that won, I think the ACC was a Sunday one, and they were used, if they played Thursday especially, the public sees them win it, they're tired, they're favored by 22 points. That was a nice bat on the dog. Yeah, yeah. And, and it wasn't unusual for the ACC to have a team like Syracuse have to start playing on Thursday and play, have to win five games to win it all. Now, I know things have changed, but I don't think talking about the old times, we should talk about Syracuse and the ACC. <laughs> All so, right? right, yeah. I mean, you know, there's still the Big East contingent <laughs> out there. All right, what's your number two point? Number two point, let's talk totals. And when betting totals in conference tourneys, I always look to play first halves under, but second halves over. And the reason being is oftentimes these conference tourneys, they're in unfamiliar venues that like we in Vegas here, we're still going to have three conference tournaments right here in Las Vegas. So a shooting background that neither team is used to unfamiliarity. They're going to start slow. And also oftentimes, now, is this the case? The first game at the venue or all, yeah, games? all games with the first game, especially. And then oftentimes both teams, Hey, it's, it's, it's win or go home. Both teams play tight early on, and that leads itself to a lower-scoring first half. So I know everyone's asking, well, why not just bet the games under? But the problem is the end game. It is not unusual at all that you see teams just go balls to the wall, all out to try to catch up in a regular season game of a team's down 14 and there's two minutes to go. So you, the, the, the game states in which the team trailing fouls – Broaden exactly right, and the game stage at the point where they just go ahead and throw everything at their opponent. When a team's down 18 with three and a half minutes to go, they probably write it off over the regular season. I understand. So, yeah. here's my question though if the lack of familiarity at the venue is a problem into the second game, it's going to continue being a problem in the second half of the first game. So, there is that downward pressure on the under, but you're saying you add in. The increasing, uh, the stakes are higher, and thus it leads to more scoring in the second half for various reasons that we just talked about. Does that really counteract that enough? My advice would be in the, play under in the first half with a special emphasis on the first game, and then in the first game especially, maybe don't play second half overs, but maybe after that you could because you'd like to get rid of the familiarity or lack of it negative on the second half, and it doesn't get rid of it, but it is lessened in game two. Yes, I like that approach. Let all the teams have one game under their belts. And, of course, you're going to have hybrids where you're going to have one team that's playing their second game. Now, by the way, the second half overs, is that something you're more inclined to do in competitive when games are competitive at halftime? Like if a team's up by 22 and a half, or maybe because your point might be, hey, that's when I think it's going to happen. But what about if the line's 18 or something? That team is down, the 18 point underdog's not gonna fight like that, are they? So is it, is it more competitive games, at least spread wise, coming in? I w yes, I want a team that's projected to win, not so much what the pre flop number is, but at halftime, what's the projected final score gonna be? So, example, team's up 15 and they're laying four in the second half. Projected final, mm -hmm. 19 points. I would say if the projected win is by more than 20, probably not gonna get. Because that factor about them fighting tooth and nail decreases. Yeah, because if they get down 22, it's it's they're done with. Now, 
if the projected finals 13 or 14 no, points, I, I, think you're in, I think you're in great shape. And if it's 11 or 10 or 9. But, but if you wind up with a tie game with five minutes to go, that can become a nightmare because well, for, for an is, over. Well, first off, that's the whole point, right? You can only predict generally what's yeah. going to happen. But number two, if it's a six, five or six-point game, it's a, it's a dream. Exactly. So you can't – that's the thing, Steve. Sometimes mm. you're rolling the dice. Yeah. I don't know if you know that when it, with gambling, but there is some. And you've got those dice. I mean, listen, Jock told us this. This business is a crapshoot. Sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. You gamble and you lost. Now, you've made a lot of money with us before, and you make a lot again. We always take care of our friends. You know that. Uh, Jock has a voice on him, doesn't he? Jeez. King's up by two with three minutes left. Uh, LeBron was tired. All right. Kings blew an eight-point lead with with 56 seconds to play their last game. Time for your best bet? Let's do it. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Thursday night football, FCS, North Dakota, minus seven versus <laughs> South Dakota. It's all about two main reasons. I'm fading South Dakota. Here's a team, South Dakota. They won last week by seven points. RJ, they were plus six in turnovers. So South Dakota got crushed in the stats, outgained by 150 yards. But heck, you're plus six in turnovers. You better win the game. They won by seven points. What was the spread in that game? It was plus five. South Dakota was catching five. They won by seven. Uh, but that makes sense, except what uh, – Lakers are tied now. <laughs> what um, – boy, I, Sacramento, when are they ever – BB was there for a while. <laughs> All right, so here's the question. Um, I get the whole idea if a team has six turnovers, the result's going to be better than it should be. People aren't going to mitigate – the effect of the turnovers, thus they're overrated. But are they? Meaning, what's the line this week? What do you think the line should be? You're back to directionally. I think you could be right, but who knows? And I'm frankly, I'm not 100% sure because it's an FCS game. But I'll tell you this. The scheduling greatly favors the home team here. But what I'm saying, I know you want to shift to that next hmm. thing written down. It's like when they ask a political person, hmm. well, what are you going to do about gun control? That's a very good question. I've considered it great. But let me tell you about <laughs> my highway. Plan. No, you are right. I am not 100% sure the power ratings and the adjustments that got made. I'm assuming that the final score. Are you betting money on these games? Yes. With knowing so little about them. Yes. Are you are you compulsive? Yes. Do you think you have a gambling problem? No. Well, being compulsive is a problem. It's okay you if you win. No, it's not. Actually, that's untrue. If you obsess over it and you win, is that okay? If little Johnny's like talking to himself, he got little stick figures, goes right around, right around. You think that's okay? People obsess over stamp collecting, also. I, I know. So it's not. I wouldn't say that's a gambling problem. That's just a I hobby think it's problem. A problem with obsession. Time management problem. It's not a hobby if you're obsessed. Okay. So are you obsessed with gambling? Yes, I think. So I am. you play games. So when you. Didn't have much to gamble on during the pandemic. And then the draft came and you had 29 bets. That was probably indicative of something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, because in a typical year, you have how many draft bets? Three? Max. And you had, you, I mean, all joking aside, you had 19. Oh, it was, yes. 
I mean, so you got to, you know, the gambling addiction is in the diagnostic. So you have a mental illness. You are mentally ill. Probably won't surprise some. I'm a winner, not a loser. <laughs> do you think maybe, do you owe it to the audience to maybe not give them your compulsive? Do you know when you're being compulsive? Yeah, when it's the end of the evening and I've been firing away on all these live bets and I had this huge edge and I'm down $588. Oh, so you, so the dice went against you and then you try to get even? And now I've got a positive EV bet that's got marginal, and I normally would bet 200 on it because it's just marginal. Screw it. I'm betting 600 because I want to finish the, the night in the black. I'm already a multi-millionaire! <sighs> Are you going to seek treatment? <laughs> no. Just follow the money. All right. Mackenzie, are you compulsive? Sure, yeah. I mean, not, I wouldn't say necessarily with different things. You know, we all are different things. I'm not talking about masturbation. <laughs> are you a compulsive gambler? No, I, I don't think so. I like, I, I like, if I have one bet a day, I love to just obsess about that one bet. My advice to you is to do what your parents did. Get a job, sir. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> I will say this about Mackenzie. He shows up. He's not a flashy dresser. Doesn't always focus on cleanliness. <laughs> it's not. He's got other things on his mind. I mean, it's not bad. It's just not. You know, he's not a GQ kind of guy. And I'm, I'm talking about his clothes. And I know at various points he was eating seemingly more than any reasonable person would from the snack room. So you, what you figure is. You know, his bankroll ain't great. That was budget-related. Exactly. Yes. That's a great way to say budget-related. <laughs> That's a kind way to say it. And one time, this is probably about two months in, three months. So it wasn't, you know, a day or two. And he's, like, watching this Laker game really intently. And I'm like, what's going on? He goes, yeah, I got this series bet. I think Matty Holt was here. And I said, really? I go, what you got on? He goes, $2,000. <laughs> And what's funny is when he said two, <laughs> Ma I could tell Maddie was going to be was going to be very surprised that McKenzie was going to say two hundred on it. But he surprised said surprised saying that would have been a big number for the guy with Cheetos on his. Yeah, but it was two thousand, and literally Maddie had his expression it was like the original movie, The Gambler, when James Conn owes fifty large, fifty thou, and Hip says, "Well, what do you got for me?" And Conn says, "I only got fifteen. And Hip's like, fifteen thousand. That's it." And Conn goes, fifteen hundred. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, but it's true. You think he was like making it up, but but somehow, now your average bet at that time was what? Three hundred. You're betting three hundred on your own opinion. Yeah, I don't. I don't no bet once a week. Eating but... the Cheetos. <laughs> oh, so you're saying you only bet once a week? Usually, yeah, about that. So you're the type that wants to really zero in on a game. Yeah, that's my style. Well, and McKenzie, like McKenzie's credit. You're going to like this too. Is that? When you weren't around, he was talking to me about his betting habits, and he actually said, you know— Was I, this recently or at the time? Recently. He, he may have changed. Recently, he says, I am so focused on the work product, Fez, I typically only bet on the weekends. Well, that's good. That's a good sign. I mean, again, once he gets more comfortable with his work, he's going to be—his work's going to help him bet, but now he's focused. I like that. Now, after he won the Laker game, or the—or, I'm sorry, the it was the Celtics— yeah, it was this. Let's go like this happens once in a lifetime. 
Gotta make this work for us. Out in the open, legit. But a nice IPO. Keep it spinning. Live off the juice. How's that going? I, I'm not living off the juice. <laughs> now, a lot of people that bet an extreme amount, they like that buzz. And then they start. And what happens is, and this is really dangerous, all joking aside, you got to do more. You got to do more. Like, whatever it is that may, it's one phenomenon that Barkley's talked about that you got to care about winning and losing. So if you got 100 million, whatever number is going to make you care. If it's below that, it's like you didn't bet. Like, think about you guys betting a quarter on something. You wouldn't care. Yeah. Well, for a millionaire, maybe 10,000 is a quarter, right? Whatever it is. Well, this is another phenomenon. You like the danger, you like that I might have trouble getting this together, especially at the po the shops that aren't post up. You know, most people back in the day, I mean, I don't I don't think I ever posted up betting one time till I came to Vegas, right? And here it's, you know, state law and all that. And it should be, right? But if you're betting with a bookie, you know, you, you settle up day. We had weekly settle ups, but now there's a fig, you know, people have figures. If you have a game that if you lose, it's a problem. That's a different type of buzz. And some, so Mackenzie, when you had that, but I'm not saying it would be a problem, but it would be a game changer for the, I mean, there'd be a lot of Cheetos that next week. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Is, did you, did you like that anxiety? I'm ambivalent to be honest. It was probably, it, I, I thought, you know, winning, it should have, it should have felt, but it was more relief than it was. But you like, but you liked that feeling of being at risk. I did. Yeah. Uh Oh, you know, I got to. I got to plead guilty to this a little bit. One of my things that I do is that if I do have to settle with you someone. Get a, you get a rope? Oh, no, no. If I do have to settle with someone, I have a meeting point at one. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. At one select. Cause see, I'll say it's the south point, okay? Uh -huh. And so what I'll do is I'll go ahead and I'll, I got all my, you know, my different accounts funded in different places. I'll say, I'll meet you at the south point at, at 11 o'clock at night. And then I'll, like, have bet. At the South Point. So I got the money at the South Point, but I've made bets. So I need them to win for me be, to be, be able to meet this guy and pay him. And if they don't win, now I'm going to be short. Would, but not the truth that I'll just drive to a different property and then go to the South Point. But I feel like, oh, come on. Let's win these South Point bets so I can just go direct. Waste management consultant. All right. <laughs> Little pulling back the covers, the Fezzix were. So what you're saying is you leave from your mansion... In your BMW, or is it a Lexus? BMW. BMW. And you think— It's you know, a Mercedes. Jesus Mercedes. Christ. Oh, okay. <laughs> God damn it. And you say, you know what would be a thrill? I'll bet an amount I have to win, and that could go straight to this billion-dollar casino. And if I lose, I'll have to stop at another place, take out the money. That was what you thought was dangerous? Yeah. You don't know dangerous. He was the baddest cat around until I showed up. <laughs> you know, that brings up the famous. Have you ever been accused of doing something you didn't do? Well, it happened to me in Mexico City. That's danger. All right. But I guess the compulsive discussion started because Fez's handicap felt like only a compulsive would give it. You got anything else? Yeah, North Dakota has a really favorable scheduling spot here. This is similar to the Thursday night game in the NFL. 
North Dakota's been home their first two games. Now they get a home game on Thursday night. Both teams played Saturday. And South Dakota, not only do they have a short week of prep that they have to travel. Is it South Dakota or South Dakota State? South Dakota. And, and is that different than South Dakota State? It is. And where did Wentz come from? I don't remember. All right, continue. So South Dakota, the fact that they're on the road on Saturday, and now they have to go on the road on a Thursday night, big disadvantage for the road team here. Let me ask you a question. You sound like someone that comes into batting and they're like, yeah, I found these Jeff Sagarin numbers. I think if whenever there's more than a two-point difference, I'm going to play to that team. Like, how do you know that this travel factor isn't accounted for? I don't. <laughs> so why are you batting it? Because I'm confident that these odds makers but I, because, the because I you, get the but you're not betting against the open there's other sharks like you betting on this has this line moved when did it open up it opened up at six and a half it's moved to seven I've lost half a point but it, here's what losers do is losers say that's a sign I got the right side that's what you're thinking. But my experience is but that the everyone's that, the doing that. The fact they, that it stopped at seven is a sign that, that there's no value at seven. No, if it stopped at seven, but it's not going to stop at How seven. How do you know? Because the one thing that I've seen from these FCS games is the good story, if you will, the handicap I just gave, which well, may be inaccurate. All, it's not a good story. It may be inaccurate, but everyone's going to do the same analysis, rightly or wrongly, that I've done, and they're going to bet on North Dakota, even if it's a minus seven and a half. I strongly believe that. What you just said is literally, like, everyone stop. We're wrapping up the pod here. I want you to really stop and listen. This is the insidiousness of the idea of closing line value. What he just said was this. I bet this, I don't know if the handicap's right, but it's one that's going to suck in gullible people. And thus, uninformed people will bet the same side I did after I did it. And then the line's going to go up. And because that line went up, it means I have a good bet. Except by definition, you're saying the people who are betting it to move it don't know what they're talking about. So how could that be predictive? Because I don't feel the odds makers have time or or. But that's to, not what we're talking to base about. any of you, this. You just said it. the reason you've got a good bet is because you think the line's going to go up, not because it's accurate that move, but because people are going to incorrect or potentially. Oh, not even potentially agnostic of how good the bet is. The narrative is going to drive the betting. And thus, what is it now? If you could buy back and middle it and hedge out or, or arb out, I think that is good rationale. It's a greater fool theory, but that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about sitting there with that seven. And then when it loses, you're going to say, yeah, but it was seven and a half at close, baby. I was right. I won't say that. But then, why was the rationale that the betting? Because you were asking about the about where this line's going to close. You, no, no, you... no. I did not say that at all. Okay. I but... said that you bet it. I go. The betting has stopped right now with the people that ha- aren't part of the narrative. The people that actually understand the bet, the early betters. And I'm saying they stopped at seven. They could have kept betting at seven. You're saying it's going to go up. And I say, well, how? and then you said because of the dum-dums are going to bat it out because it's part of a story. Well, I think it's also the sharp guys that haven't done their work yet on the game. But that's not what you just said. And how do you know that you're not the dum-dum buying into the narrative? I don't. So that's the point. So that's your best bet, the one you don't know if you're right on. 
forget winning. We know you don't know. No one can know if they're going to win or lose. You're saying there's a hell of a chance I got this ass backwards, but you know what? I'm compulsive. Well, to be fair, I've checked with my friends, and they tell me power rating wise that they did that they made this game seven without all these circumstances. And all these circumstances are what? The fact that what, Mackenzie, what's travel. the current number? One second. Give me like a give me bookmaker. All right, we're gonna see how much you like this game. Continue. Make your case. Because you, you, you won't have to bet as much. I think that the scheduling spot is significant, especially early in the year for teams that now haven't you, played. Who, who was the world opener in this game? I don't know. I mean, why do that? Bookmaker, we're looking at minus seven, a uh, little juice on the plus side. So juice on the dog. So it's like minus seven, minus 105? Yeah, minus seven, minus 106. All right. And what's the take back? Is plus, it plus 114? Seven, minus 114. All right. All right, this is perfect because you're getting to decide the bat. So I'll give you seven, no vig, and I think we go like a thousand bucks. Done. All right. Now, I want hundred dollar bills. <laughs> I'm being serious. I want the money next Wednesday because this this can't. It, listen, here's what I know, and we'll close with it. We got Esler. All right, I'm gonna go right into Esler. And this game's tomorrow night. We we, we already threw Esler. We threw Esler. Yeah, he had the Herbert MVP. Oh, that's yeah. right. And we did the hit the translucent one. That's right. Yeah. All right, the hit man. All right, sorry about that. Okay. Had a Bayou over eighteen and a half. I remember. You go. Oh, I just was looking at the screen, and he's questionable now. That one. That's the one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wentz was North Dakota State. Thank you. Here's what I know. It ain't easy. I know all the other, you know, and I don't really like the place to talk about all the other people. But because they say, oh, we're, but I will tell you this is there's one thing we pride ourselves on. It ain't easy to win. Ain't easy. And a guy that doesn't know where the thing opened. I, listen, if anyone, if, you know, there's speed chess, right? For example, if there's anyone that would speed bat sports, I would, could bankroll would be Steve Fezzik. He's got the best instincts for that stuff. And whenever Maddie and you go heads up, I usually want to be on Maddie's side just because it's more fun. <laughs> to see you lose Lakers lost yay <laughs> poor Le LeBron feels good now I didn't play no boy this was a goofy game for him to sit too like you got a nice win against the king you know that's a great point because literally they would have won that game with LeBron well, you and think. they can't be 100% well, you can't be 100% you know, but, but what I'm saying is yeah. you look at the spread they would have been favored and another three and a half point dog and it was all you know well they I guess they exceeded expectations. They lost by three, but I don't care because Phoenix is up more. Okay, here's what I know, though. Whenever someone comes to town and they're smart people, they, the first 19 things they do is usually wrong. And then some of them figure out the 20 thing that they can win and they build from there. But it is a variation of Jeff Sagarin. It's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. This feels like literally the first week that they're at the extend to stay <laughs> they're getting out like this is like gold sheet stuff like they're looking at the schedule thinking about and it's like eating at the buffet every night and plus the world opener at six and a half we just went up to a key number and then it stopped dead it stopped dead and oh by the way coincidentally bookmaker you know probably the sharpest book in the world especially on these kind of things bookmaker has it where it's big down so 
Boy, you just took the worst of it. I don't think so. And plus, your big insight is that your people that somehow are FCS experts <laughs> are telling you the line's right. <laughs> How you feeling? I feel good. What piece would you want on this, Mackenzie? South Dakota. Who's that? <laughs> the side you're on. <laughs> okay. You want to take 100? Yeah, I'll take 100 plus 7. That's yeah. right. Now, is that, are you seeding 100 of your profits? Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. No, so it's transparent. I, I, I spread. Or not transparent, but it's, I don't have any bet with McKenzie. No. How yeah. could I, how could I yeah. tell you to bet with McKenzie? <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, if you want to later, you can. But you, this reminds me of the time you, it seems like when you bet on air, you struggle. You yeah, ever, because. You ever think that I use the air against you? Oh, Jesus Christ. The, the freaking Green Bay to finish second. You think you think so? And you're like, live, <laughs> no, live national radio, Fez. I need an answer. What, what do you mean? I'm like, but RJ, I'm just wondering if Green Bay can finish second. What do you mean? Green Bay's number one. I, public, your public needs an answer, Fez. Are you chicken? <laughs> Listen, I, I'm going to say this to close, and we'll talk to everyone. And remember, even though this part went long, we got a college basketball little special addendum plan that will be in a separate pause, pod. Just go to your favorite pod players. Want more than one's fine. And follow. Subscribe, I think they call it. And you'll get it right when it comes out. And we'll leave you with this. I got tiger scratches on my back from 20 years in this business. Let me tell you something. If you want to survive, you either got to fight the tiger or you got to dance with the tiger. It's true.